0: Lauren and RJ, the Frangie Show starts now on 1010 XL 92.5 FM.
1: Hey, welcome in! Glad you're along for the ride on a Tuesday installment of our program. The program is brought to you by our friends at the Nimnick Family of Dealerships, Nimnick Chevrolet. On Cassett, Nimnick Buick GMC is on Phillips Highway, the best in the business. You want to buy a car? Buy a car from the best. Buy a car from Nimnick. Frangie and Carlion. Uh, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders, no show yesterday. We had the uh, kickoff show. Hayes and Mia had that for you, but no Frangie show. So our first time to weigh in on all the joy in the world today. Yeah, there's it's, joy. A, there's, it's a happy place. There's joy <laughs> everywhere uh, in this joyous season. So much joy to share.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Florida State fans and Jaguars fans, especially if you're both right now, are wondering – how can these things happen to you both in one season? Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, hopefully people find joy elsewhere.
1: I was saying here's here's the, here's today's program. Again, we weren't here yesterday to talk about the college stuff. So here's today's program: the Jags have a bad loss, possibly lose their quarterback and best receiver. FSU wins all their games, doesn't get to has, has nothing to show for it. They're out. Georgia loses for the first time in about a hundred years. They're out. And Florida sucks worse than all of them. So happy happy times for the listeners, right? Happy times.
3: Yeah, it's uh it's it's a lot of uh soul searching, yeah. but uh so, you know, we'll see. I yeah. mean, at least, you know, for the Jaguars and looking at it, I I don't think you're going to have Christian Kirk again this year. So that's uh that's a real blow obviously, but uh but yeah, it certainly could have been worse in regards to Trevor Lawrence. I wouldn't think he plays this week, although obviously the team hasn't said anything, you know, relaying to that. Uh but I, you know, it, if you're looking for a silver lining, they're a game up in the division. They're really two games up because we know they have the tiebreaker on the Colts, and we believe they're going to have the tiebreaker uh, on the Texans if they can win the finale in Nashville. So you've got to somehow find your way to win three of these next five. If you do that, you put pressure on Houston and Indianapolis to run the table. Uh, only one of them can because they both play each other. Uh, they play in the finale. So that's it. You gotta find a way to get three. Uh, I I think it's gonna be awfully tough to get it get one Sunday in Cleveland. Uh, but the Browns are going through a lot of attrition as well. So certainly they're not gonna feel sorry for the Jaguars. Uh that's gonna be the first one to score twelve points is probably gonna win the game. <laughs> and uh, you know, we'll see. But and then you obviously you got a tremendous test against the Ravens. Then you got three pretty easy games. So you may be looking at a three game losing streak which will then hopefully be followed up by a three-game win streak.
1: Yeah, I got all kind of thoughts about all of it. I and mean, we'll get to a lot of the college stuff later on in the program and it starts with the Jaguars. I got a lot of thoughts. But, yeah, in, in synopsis, the bottom line with the Jaguars, if Trevor Lawrence is okay, and, and hopefully he is, we'll, we, you know, we'll, they're, they're careful not to say. Doug, Doug was very – he did just what he should have done today. He said, listen, he said, it's day-to-day. Uh, it doesn't look like it needs surgery. I'm not going to put him in a box and put a time limit on so, it, which is, which is probably the honest answer. So, but if Trevor Lawrence is okay, here's the bottom line with the Jags. They're 7-2 and two in their last nine games. One loss was to a team that nobody's going to beat, it looks like, and the other loss was in overtime when they missed a field goal. I, so before we get to, you know, I, I say this all the time, every game we make it a referendum of who they are. Every team, not just the Jaguars. You lose, you're the worst team ever created, and let's blow it all up, and how could I have ever rooted for you? You win, and you're going to the Super Bowl, and, and, and everything's great. Let's get our rooms in Vegas. And, and, and again, that's not a Jaguar thing. That's an everybody thing nowadays in every sport, you know? So, um, look, they lo- the, the shock of last night was everybody thought they were going to win, uh, all of us included. The You watched your quarterback go down. Uh, you, the kicker who never misses anything missed a kick. And all of a sudden, you lost the game, and you lost the game at home. And all the losses have been at home. And it was a phenomenal crowd, by the way. And t- tip of the cap to Jaguar fans and the Jags and the light show. It was really a wonderful. It was a f- magnificent night. The night, the night lived up to it. The, the the football didn't. And so, um. But again, they're seven and two in their last nine games. That that that's seven and two, and one of those is an overtime loss when you missed a field goal that could have won it. I I I think you have to be careful. Now, lose again and lose again, and then it 's a different conversation so uh, but I got a lot of thoughts on the jags on why they lost that uh, by the way, that comment doesn 't mean there's not some warts, and that comment doesn 't mean there's not some some real concerns in some areas because I think there are some real concerns that don't don 't dismiss that but't do they're, they're, they're an eight and four football team in twenty nine years of a football team here there haven 't been a lot of eight and four teams that 's just reality, and don 't lose sight of that reality again i 'm going to talk about all the specifics of it, so, so we 'll get to all of it. Weird game last night. Weird game. I thought, Lauren, the crux of the game, more than Trevor's injury, more than Kirk's injury, which was awful, more than the the, the deep bomb to chase, more than McPherson making the, making the field goal that we all knew he was going to make, uh, more than McManus finally missing a field goal, more than all that, they really got whipped at the line of scrimmage. I, I'll say this. We've been watching football. I've been watching football my whole life. We all have. I've covered it professionally for 20 some, or 40-some-odd years. Of all the football we've watched for 60 years and covered professionally for over 40 years, the more physical team usually wins the game. That's The, the, the more physical team, not always, but I would say most of the time, even when is thrown all over the place, even when, even when teams are known for their passing game like the Chiefs or, or even the, the, the Eagles when they won an underdog, the more physical team usually wins the game. And that was the most bizarre thing last night. The Bengals are last in the league in rushing yards per game. Last in the league. And they rushed for 156 yards against a team that's been pretty good against the run. That, and by the way, that's what football is. If one team is on their game and ready and the other team's not, that's what winds up happening. But that was the, the physicality. And the fact that they got out-physicaled, in, it still almost won the game, by the way. You know, if if not for a really, I think, questionable holding call, they win the game. Because it's first and goal at the two, and I think they probably get it in. But but they, they didn't deserve to win the game because they got out-physicaled by the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought that was the story of the game.
2: Yeah, for me, the story of the game was how poorly the defense played overall. I thought the offense gave the team plenty of chances to win, even with C.J. Beathard. And yet the defense, it was just – it was strange to watch a team, especially the defense that we've seen through most of the season outside of the Texans game, the first time the Jags played them and the 49ers, that – and they started that game off pretty well, but that just looked completely like they didn't know where they were supposed to be at times. They weren't communicating properly. And so that, to me, walking away last night, it was was shocking that the defense played that badly because of the team they were playing in the Bengals.
1: And I think what happened with the defense – is because they were getting whipped so much physically, they had to play man outside and Tyson Campbell didn't have a very good game. He couldn't play, he couldn't run they didn't have anybody that could cover Jamar Chase. I'm not sure anybody does, but but they didn't have anybody. And look, the quarterback Browning played great. I there's a lot, but but the Jags, I thought the Jags really got beaten physically. Bacelli said something really interesting today with the boys in the morning on the drill that that I did not really think about. But when Walker Little he said after watching the tape, and I did not catch this. I don't think he, Jeff or Tony or I caught it during the broadcast. But he said watching the tape today, Baselli said to Jeff to Jeff and Dan this morning that that Walker Little hurt the hamstring on the play before. I didn't realize that. I thought I know Doug said today it was it was earlier than the the Trevor play, but I did, But Baselli thought it was on the play before he injured the hamstring, and probably should have come out. But tough guys don't come out. He knows they're down linemen, so he tried to gut through it, even though the hamstring was hurting him. And Trey Hendrickson, as a smart pass rusher, will bull rushed him, knowing that he's limping. You bull rush the guy that you, you attack the weakness, and that's why. And everybody, he said, Bastelli said, everyone's going to beat up Walker a little for being the guy that got got whipped, which is why he stepped on Trevor and, and fell into Trevor. But he said the truth is he was trying to tough it out. Um, because he's a tough guy, and that is a really—I—I I, I was not—I again—I didn't watch the tape, but I—that is a really interesting and an unfortunate thing for both of them, really, if that's how it played out. And Tony's got a great eye for that
3: stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the offensive line is—is is a, a massive concern. It's—it's it's been there all year. I—you can stop showing me mock drafts where the Jaguars take a receiver. I, this needs to be a trenches draft and I expect that it will be at least with the first three picks uh, because they need help on both sides. Uh, so I, I think the offensive line, that wasn't a surprise that they got beaten up because they've been beaten up all year. Uh, they're going to royally get beaten up on Sunday when they go to Cleveland, uh, so be prepared for an even bigger bloodletting than what you saw last night. Uh, and then in terms of the defense, I honestly, other than Josh Allen – I'm not sure the other ten guys showed up, or the or whoever, however many you know played a defensive snap. I mean, it was almost like collectively they all just decided this is going to be the game that we just all play bad. And and Josh Allen played well. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he he made two spectacular plays, and as a defender, you make two spectacular plays, and you've had a great game. I uh, just nothing else. I I was really surprised. Uh, Lloyd and Aluican, I I think you know, Lloyd in particular I thought really struggled. Uh that's a concern. Obviously Tyson Campbell, he strains a quad. He was coming back from a hamstring, so he's not near hundred percent and he got you know Which obviously, is why he struggled. Yeah. He beaten all night. Uh and, and you know, and to Browning's credit and to Zach Taylor's credit, you know, they had a great plan. Uh so, you know, I, I think in looking at it it's uh it's one of those things that you know, it just it just was a collective failure. I mean, one thing that failed has failed all year, which is the interior of the offensive line. the The other thing that has that's been there all year that just for whatever reason wasn't last night is the defense. I don't know whether they just you know have such respect for Joe Burrow that knowing he wasn't going to play, they sort of coasted. Um, you know, if this was a read the press clippings week, uh, you know, getting back to some of the issues they had earlier in the season. Where you know they're thinking number one seed and home field throughout, and boy, aren't we great? Uh, and it's Monday Night Football, and we're going to show up, and we're going to dominate this team that's starting, you know, Jake Browning, and uh, and and they got schooled. I mean, Burrow couldn't have, I mean, done much better than what Browning gave Cincinnati last night. So uh, it's a Tom it's, Brady couldn't yeah, have done much. Better. I mean, yeah, it's it's a profound concern, I think, uh, in the uh, in the immediate. Because I think Cleveland's better than Cincinnati, and it's going to be in their house. And it, you only think you saw a defense last night uh, that's physical. And, and so this is going to be a, you know, a, a tough test for the Jags. It's a short week. You're going on the road, and you are going to be in a street fight from the first snap on Sunday. And if they aren't ready, then they are going to get manhandled.
1: I don't want to scoop myself for later, but I'll bet they play well against Cleveland. That's when they tend to be good, and that's when when the, that that has been that that whole chip on the shoulder thing mattered for them last year. They know they they weren't ready to play last night. They Doug, Doug was, Doug's never going to say that because he's never going to throw his team under the bus. But even in his post game, he, you could tell he's scratching his head. Why do we all of a sudden not tackle well? Why do we all of a sudden our fits are so off? Why you you could tell he he was he was puzzled. Again, he he respects his guys and the, the great relationship they have is because he's not throwing players under the bus. But you could tell he was puzzled by—I don't want to say effort—but he was puzzled by level of play of his player. You could, you could tell. You could tell just listening to him. Couldn't you get? Didn't you get that read? I got the read.
2: Yes, and well, even today, like he almost yeah. never says something like this. He said about Brandon McManus. Yeah, he's disappointed. We're disappointed. Yeah. he almost never says that yeah. even to the media.
1: Yeah. yeah, and again, for me, kickers miss every now and then. He took a
3: big swipe at McManus in the yeah. post game yeah. Uh, yeah. yesterday. Uh, and so, yeah, he's not overly thrilled. Yeah, with the yeah. But,
1: but I mean, kickers miss, kickers miss sometimes. But I, but just I think all of it in totality. I mean, Joe Mixon and and Chase Brown, whoever that is, had gaping holes. That that was the story of the game. Gaping hole, gaping holes. Safeties
3: didn't play well at all. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just it, it was just it was a really awful night. Yeah, and, so so and, tough you night. You tough. know, and and again, it's hard to explain it. Because of the environment and everything yeah. else that you know that went into it, and they haven't played well at home, so to defensively to go out there and 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 I do think losing Trey Herndon on the second defensive snap really hurt their communication. Mm-hmm. Nickel is a hard position; it, it might good. be the hardest.
1: Very, very, good, very. From good.
3: A, a mental standpoint, yeah. uh, you have to be in sync with the run. Obviously, you have to be in sync with the pass. And I, I think when they lost Herndon, right. a and big the, piece of the communication very puzzle went out the window. A very good
1: point. I don't care who you are. You can't be deep everywhere. You can't. You nobody. Nobody's deep everywhere. And they're not very deep at nickel. They're probably deeper outside because Monteric Brown looked more ready to play than than Gregory Jr. was going to. So you can't. You, nobody's deep everywhere. And I think that that was the one guy you didn't need to, against a team with, with with T Higgins back and with Tyler Boyd. Both being kind of second acts to Chase, that's three pretty good receivers now. It's yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I mean when they're all good, healthy, it's well, that's a pretty good group. I mean, that, the best in the league. Yeah, that's a that's a good. That, those three together, that's a pretty good group now. And so, and, and when you play, have a team that's got that many, you really have to have nickel play, and the quarterback played well as well. So and to lose about,
3: Christian Kirk on the first snap, which really, you, you know, was, so yeah. you basically lose your security blanket, your most dependable receiver, I first snap of the game. So now Parker Washington, who did have a dazzling touchdown catch, yeah. but, but obviously doesn't really know all of the ins and outs of his responsibility on offense. Uh, and, and then to lose Herndon on, this, on the second defensive snap, I mean, that is really difficult from just a, a synergy standpoint because of the communication aspect and just the operational aspect with Christian Kirk. And so I, I, I think just two really massive losses to basically game plan all week thinking you're going to have Christian Kirk and Trey Herndon, and then to lose them basically a collective three snaps in combined?
1: Yeah, it was, a, it was just a tough game all the way around. We'll take a break. We'll talk some Jaguars coming up. We've got a Duval County Scholar athlete later on in the program. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, Florida State snub. Got a lot of thoughts on that. I tweeted about it, but I haven't a chance to talk about it yet. Uh, Georgia doesn't make it in for the first time in forever. We've got all kinds of stuff to get to. But we'll start with the Jaguars. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings.
1: Lawrence goes down, and Lawrence is grabbing at his leg, and he is... In serious pain. Seeing
4: him on the ground, you know, wincing and, and hurting—that's not fun. I know what he means to this team. I know what he means to me and the rest of the guys. So that's a heavy blow right now. And uh, hoping for a speedy recovery for him.
1: Shotgun for Jake Browning. They blitz. He drops. Fires deep downfield. That ball is caught along the left sideline. Jamar Chase. Is into the end zone. it's all about how we respond to this. You know, obviously, you know, we just lost this game, so it definitely hurts. We hate losing at home, first and foremost, man. We have to get better. We have to figure that out. Inside handoff. This is Mixon. Lowers his shoulder. Keeps those legs turning. He's into the end zone for the touchdown. We didn't
3: stop the run. That's the strength of our defense is stopping the run. We just didn't do that. We failed there. We got too many explosive plays. We gave up.
1: A 48-yard field goal is good. And they have come to Jacksonville and beaten the Jaguars. 34-31. The
0: thing is always next week, really must-win mentality all the time. You know, good Cleveland team are about to go face. We've got to right our wrongs get back in the win column. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet.
1: That's how it sounded last night. The Jags lose. Now, let me, I'm going to say this, by the way, and I, and I want to be clear about it. They didn't lose because of a call. They lost because they got out physical. Okay? They lost because they got out physical. And they lost because they got outplayed, and they lost because they didn't deserve to win. But I got to tell you, the holding on Anton Harrison in, in, in the overtime period, and give Sam Hubbard credit, he sold it like an actor. Robert that De Niro did. couldn't have sold <laughs> it better. But, man, oh, man, Hayes, the point you were not, you made during the break that you haven't called it the whole game, and then you call it then, that really bothered me. I probably talked about it too much on the broadcast. But you can't – if you're going to call one then in overtime, and I know if you're going to call it in the first quarter, I, I get it. But you have to make sure it's a hold. I I, I think officials – you could and listen, you could argue either way. I know that. But – too many officials call what they think they might have seen rather than don't call it unless they know they saw it and if he does it's first a goal of the two i think the jags win the game okay maybe they don't maybe they don't get it in they're not a great short yardage team and Trevor would in the game but i think they get it in and if that if they don't call that and they do get it in despite everything else you survive that that call again i want to be very clear about that they didn't lose They didn't lose because of a bad call. They lost because they got outplayed. They weren't very physical. The the Bengals beat them and deserved to win. But, boy, that call bugged me. That bugged me more than most calls bugged me.
3: Well, other than the holding penalty, there were 12 penalties called in the game for basically 80 yards. So, I mean, the officials were really only calling the stuff, the procedural stuff, Mm -hmm. the delay of game stuff, false starts, offsides, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they really hadn't been calling. I mean, there was an instance where Calvin Ridley was clearly interfered with early in the game. I mean, that should have been a a 40-yard penalty. They missed that. I mean, the guy has his hand over Ridley's (laughs)
1: eyes. And and, and everybody got that screenshot, by
3: the way. Right. And so, I mean, they they obviously had let him play throughout the game. If you haven't called holding in, in the first hour of game time, Uh, it seems like it would need to be pretty egregious to call it in that instance. Uh, Now, they threw the flag well before the pass was released. It wasn't like, oh, they completed the pat. Let me throw a flag. I mean, the flag, as soon as the ball was in the air, it was, well, whatever's going to happen here. It's not going to help the Jags. You knew it was going to be a a hold on Harrison. Uh, But, yeah, obviously, to to make that call when you've let it go all night, that's that's tough. Um, I don't know that they get it in from the two anyway. They might kick (laughs) a field goal there and – you know then who knows what happens i mean then maybe at least tie uh, if cincinnati comes down and, and and gets a field goal of their own but but anyway i it, it was certainly disappointing um because they were letting them play throughout the game and then just decided and then they still had time to make that call up uh like we saw in the Houston game where the officials basically just lost track of who had to get the next makeup call for about a <laughs> 15 minute stretch but that was one where now on cincinnati's next drive you probably need to take a little harder look uh, if you're an official and they didn't. They just let him go, and Cincinnati kicks the game winner.
2: I think it just was disappointing that you knew once the Jaguars didn't get that touchdown, the Bengals were going to win the game because the Jaguars' defense was not going to stop Jake Browning and the Bengals.
3: Well, and even, like, Logan Cook didn't punt well. Co- right. No. And, like, it was just a weird – like, it, it was wasn't decade. on the Houston level of just, like, wow, nothing. <laughs> <Right>. Nothing <laughs> well, went well today. But it was – it was just surprising. I mean, it wasn't a 5% went well, 95% went wrong like it was against the Texans, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, one of the most one-sided games that I've seen a, a good team have against it. But last night clearly was a 80-20. I mean, it was there were some things that went well, but, I mean, guys that are normally rock solid and spectacular, I mean, they struggled. And special teams I thought was an example of that. It wasn't just McManus's miss. You've got to make that field goal. Your, your franchise quarterback has just left the game. This, all the momentum and air has come out of the stadium. If you're Brandon McManus, that is a kick. You have to step up, and you've got to drill. Because to get the lead, to get the feeling back in the right. stadium, you can't miss that kick. There's certain kicks that are more valuable than others, and that was, while it wasn't at the final deciding play, it, it felt like at the time that is that is more than just, a missed kick
1: yeah the, and I will say this the the it, again, the NFL has games where you lay an egg. the NFL has games where how the NFL more than any other sport has the how did that happen moment? how did that happen game? and you just hate that it keeps happening in front of the home fans because the home fans have been such a good group, but that was just one of those games that's I guess that's why the the holding call bothered me so much. Because you almost survived that one of those moment games when Logan Cook never punts badly, but he did. Brandon McManus never misses anything, but he did. Trevor Lawrence got hurt. Christian Kirk got hurt. Trey Herndon got hurt. Uh, they weren't very physical. They got they, they, at one point. I don't. I don't remember the final stats, but at one point they were outgained by 180 yards or 160 yards. That would have. Fin- they gave up four ninety one, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it That's was correct. it was brutal. Cincinnati had like six point eight yards a
1: play. Yeah, yeah. six point eight yards right. a play. And then, despite all of that, despite all of that, what were the final stats?
3: They were outgained by about a hundred and fifteen yards. Okay. It
2: was four ninety one to the Jaguars three seventy six.
1: So, but at one point, it was even more. But despite all that, if we don't, and again, they didn't lose because of the call. But despite all that, if we don't get what I think is a phantom call. I think the Jags win the game, and you overcame all that. That's the thing. If you could, if you can win with your C game when the other guys got their A game and you still win the game, because they outplayed the Jaguars. There's no debating that. But if you can overcome all that and still win the game, oh, my go- gosh, that does so much for you. So I, I guess that's why the, that's why that call bothered me probably more than it bothered anybody. It, it didn't even bother Jeff and Tony as much as it did me. It just really – that call bugged me.
2: I can understand that. When Tyler Boyd threw the pass to Josh Allen – that's when and, I thought.
1: And it did. He threw it to him, by the way. He threw it he, to him. Yeah. Like,
2: I, I mean, just dead, looked him dead in the eyes and just threw the yeah. ball to him. That's when I thought, okay, they're going to overcome all the different issues they've had to this point, and they're going to win the football game. And they did.
1: Yeah. So, so but anyway, but I'll say this we're going to we have a Duval County Scholar Athletes, some more Jaguar talk coming up, and we'll get to some of the college stuff as well. I'll bet you they play well in Cleveland. Now, look, it's Cleveland. They're very good defensively. Um, I managed- saw a
2: high of 53 in rain.
1: Rain, it's going to be rainy. It's going to be cold and rainy, um, and and who knows if they're going to have Trevor. And by the way, I have no idea. If you asked me to guess, I'd say it'd probably be hard for him to play. With, I with would be angles. really surprised. I'd be surprised because so,
2: Doug specifically said high angle, not yeah, just yeah. angle.
1: Yeah, and so uh, uh, so so it'd be hard. It's hard. It's hard. It would be hard to play. And it's not a playoff game. Yeah, You're right. But so so. But I will say this: don't discount too much. If he's got a, what do you always say about a backup quarterback? Can he keep you afloat for two or three games? And, and that what the, the, the league? Can he keep you? Can he keep you afloat for three or four games? Isn't that, those yeah, are the best. If Beathard had to
3: start four games. Can he go two and two? Yeah, yeah.
1: Can you? Can you? Can a backup quarterback keep you afloat for a few games? That that's you don't expect your backup quarterback to be your starter. You expect him to keep you afloat for a few games. Well, don't discount the fact that he was really good last night. I mean, that lost in all of this. That's why again the damn holding call. If they if they don't call the holding and they get it in two plays later. C.J. Beathard's a hero. He he kind of got robbed of that on what I thought was a, a phantom call. And so, don't lose. Again, do I want C.J. Beathard to be the Jaguar quarterback going forward? Of course not. I want it to be Trevor Lawrence. But don't discount the fact that he played pretty well. That, that, that's not a mirage. He was out there. What were his numbers? 10 of 12, 10 of 11, something like that. 9 of 11. Yeah, he was. He, he played was, pretty well.
3: He was fine. Yeah, there there but, were some things I'm sure that he's going to want back. Well, sure. You but, know, but, 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 I mean, yeah, by he, and
1: large, he played. As backups go, yeah. As backups called into action, right? Who got no reps during the week in the NFL? Your backup gets no reps. It's not like they both practice.
3: I think they're in trouble if he has to play.
0: Well, he but. was
2: nine of ten for sixty-three yards. Okay, now look,
1: yeah. look, look, now again, no reps. Yeah, well, sure. You're you're obviously no teams is good when the backup plays. Right. And that's the the league.
3: Yeah, that but is. I think he's a substandard backup. Yeah, yeah, what I'm, yeah, I, what I, if you had to rank backups one through thirty-two. I would have him in the back half of that.
1: Yeah, and and I and I might. I'd have to think about that. But I know last night he was nine of ten. You know, the last the, the one time we did see him play, I know last year he came in into a touchdown. I mean, the one time we did see him play, he was nine out of ten last night. And I thought had them in. By the way, he leads them on the game-winning score if McManus had missed not the previous kick. He leads them down for the for the winning field goal instead of the tying field goal, and then has a chance to lead them in overtime to the winning points. And a holding's call. So, again, I mean, I just, what we saw last night, he was nine out of 10.
2: Yeah, and I thought he was fairly mobile until, like, a little bit of yeah, wrist injury that yeah. he sustained on the one run. Yeah. But I think the key is, to Hayes's point earlier, this week specifically, can the offensive line protect him long enough for him to find some open receivers? Yeah. Because so we'll if they can't, then he's in serious trouble.
1: We got a Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. That's next. Stay with us.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. And now, this week's
4: Scholar Athlete of the Week, brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists and the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 234 on 1010XL.
2: And this week's Scholar Athlete of the Week is Emma Pavlicek. Emma is a senior at Mandarin. Congratulations, and thanks so much for joining us, Emma. Thanks
5: so much for having me.
2: Absolutely. So you are a soccer player. Tell me, what position do you play?
5: I play attacking mid or just a box-to-box midfielder.
2: Okay, and how long have you played?
5: I've played since I was about three.
2: Okay, and why do you love soccer?
5: I love soccer just because it's enjoyable to me. (laughs) I don't know what to say there. I love it because it's a team sport, so you don't. It's not individualistic. You get to rely, you get to create bonds with your teammates. But I also like it because it takes a lot of thinking in the position I specifically play, mm-hmm. and I like the um, chaos of the midfield. I like that.
1: You're obviously really good at it. You're also the valedictorian at a really big high school. You got a lot going on. Tell me how you manage all of it. Because uh, you, you, there's a lot going on in your life, Emma. I? I figured that part out. So how you doing? Honestly,
5: it? I just move really, really fast. I get home, I do my homework, I go to practice, I come back, I do homework. I have a job too, so sometimes I'm doing that. So it's a lot about time management and also just staying ahead of your classes. So, you know, anytime you have free time, you've got to study. But if you're not studying, you also just have to think about what you're going to be doing for the next day and the next day and the next day. But mostly I find it pretty easy to balance everything just because I'm pretty good at staying organized, staying on top of it.
3: Emma, what are your college plans? Who are you looking at?
5: I'm looking at UChicago and MIT mostly. I have an early decision application in for UChicago. And I want to go there because they've got a really good astrophysics program. And I'm also planning to join their cycling team.
2: Which is super cool. So why astrophysics?
5: Astrophysics? Um, I wanted, when I was little, I really wanted to be an astronaut. But then I re—I realized I'm kind of blind to be an astronaut. I'm a little blind in my right eye. <laughs> so I decided, why not just make the rockets instead of going on the rockets? But maybe you'll see me up on Mars one day.
1: What about cycling? T- tell me all about that.
5: So my dad's really into cycling. I watch the Tour de France every year. Okay. And um, recently, he's been trying to get me into cycling. And I decided that I really like it, just because it's a lot more interesting than just going out and doing a run. Because everything moves a little faster. I like it because it can also be very competitive, and I it's just super fun for me because you get to go on group rides, and I'm riding with like my dad's coworkers, but it's still fun. Um, And I you can do hills, you can do mountain biking. I've always been very into mountain biking. I love. Um, doing like pump tracks and stuff like that it's just super fun for me
1: yeah we old guys are really fun so, so, <laughs> so, so that, that's awesome hey, hey um but uh, so you you, are you is there a club you're in now with cycling I mean, i'm in, i'm intrigued by that that they have it at the university level and you're gonna try um do it.
5: no i'm not in any clubs right now i'm just kind of riding with my dad and doing some group rides and stuff like that but it's kind of at the level of kind of almost an intramural sport club sport but it's not quite the college but it is the college in a sort of way I I'm see. Not, yeah, yeah. um but they there's a lot of places that have it MIT has their own cycling team as well very most cool. of them are co-ed but they do road races and stuff like that very
1: cool
3: Emma tell us about you got your your jersey on what what do you got going tonight in terms of your activity you were telling us about
5: So tonight I'm actually going to the Mandra middle transition to high school night. I'm wearing my jersey because I'm part of the soccer team and I want to show that off, but I'm also doing recruiting for the ACE program because I am part of the ACE program. Um, We did this at the ACE night uh, last week and we're doing it again. Tonight um, I'm probably going to be speaking on the academics and just talking to kids and talking about how, you know, it's not that big of a workload if you learn to manage it. The teachers are really great. The classes are way more interesting than regular classes, stuff like that.
2: I wonder why they're having Emma speak on the academics program Hmm. when you have a near-perfect SAT score, Emma. Is maybe that part of the reason?
5: Uh, Maybe.
1: (laughs) Tell us us about the ACE. For people that don't know, what is the ACE program?
5: So it's the Advanced International Certificate of Education program from Cambridge. It's about the same level as IB, except it's run by the Cambridge College in the UK. And um, a lot of top colleges accept it at the same level as IB. It's a little higher than AP. Um, Essentially... Most of it will be you take these classes that are a little harder than AP and you write papers on them to explain them. We do a lot of practicals. We do a lot of labs in comparison to other types of stuff like that. Um, And it gives you really good college credit. And mostly a lot of people take it because it looks good because you're taking the hardest classes available to you.
3: Do you have a favorite game, a favorite performance, anything from your athletic career that stands out to you that you'll remember the most fondly?
5: Ooh, that's always a hard question, but I'm going to have to go with, in my club soccer team, we, I was on the ECNL level for a while, which is the Elite Clubs National League, and we did a showcase in um, San Diego. That was really sweet, getting to fly out there and do all that. I loved it mostly because the air was a little drier, and I have some pretty bad allergies, so I was like, I can breathe, yes! <laughs> but also, it was just really cool to go out there and play some really challenging teams because California has a really good soccer program.
2: Yes, they do. My cousins grew up in California playing soccer. They were really, really good. So, Emma, it sounds like you have you know pretty much life planned out. You're going to be an astrophysicist, and you're going to go to the University of Chicago. When do you find out about your acceptance?
5: Next Friday, De- December 15th. Okay, five. so are you going to a little goes. party? Oh, maybe. Maybe <laughs> not. A little nervous. Not sure how I'm going to be partying with that, but... Right. At the
3: thing I loved is hearing about your backup schools, and and University of Chicago is—I can't imagine they're not going to take you, but but tell us some of your backup schools if that doesn't happen.
5: Well, MIT is my next one down the line. That was
1: a backup for me too,
3: right. Right. Oh, for sure. for yeah. oh, for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. Oh, wait,
1: she's she's just getting warmed
3: okay? up. Did
5: you get the interview too? Because I, I got not. the interview. <laughs> <laughs> Where else? Um, and then s- schools like Brown, UVA is my backup backup because wow. both my parents went there for graduate school. Yeah. Um cheering for the basketball team right now (laughs) um it's a great school their football team not so much (laughs) um maybe uh also schools like Carnegie Mellon um Wash U is a really good school for astrophysics I'm also looking at um I was looking at William and Mary for a little while but we decided that if I got into UVA that would be a little higher than William and Mary so UVA is above that but Anywhere that has a good astrophysics program. Yeah,
1: sounds, <laughs> sounds like a bunch of great schools. Well, congratulations, Emma Pavlichek is our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. Fantastic student and soccer player from Mandarin High School. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it.
5: Thank you so much.
1: All right, Emma Pavlicek does a terrific job from uh, Mandarin High School. She is the our Duval County Scholar athlete of the week yeah it was it was i was the same way i was down right out of right out of high school to fscj or mit and i couldn't and and i was right down the middle
3: she was still being modest because she mentioned harvard in the break this year it's one of the backups yeah yeah
2: in princeton
3: Princeton.
1: harvard
2: princeton and mit is the backup at no point were any ivy league schools (laughs) my main choice or my backups. Uh,
1: she's very sharp emma pavlicek was great having her in here and a fantastic student and a fantastic athlete uh, as well, yeah, I had I narrowed down to Lauren. It was FJC or or MIT, and I mean, it was right down to the wire. You know, sometimes those are the hardest decisions. Hayes, you know.
3: Well, you didn't get the interview.
1: <laughs> I did not get the interview. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, that I'm, was. I'm not sure I got the interview at FJC <laughs> to be honest with you, the, which is what it was called at the time. So that was fantastic. So uh, great having Emma Pavlicek in here, Uh from Mandarin high school. Uh, she does a terrific job. Uh, final thoughts on the Jags. How do you think they'll play on on Sunday?
2: Uh, the rain, the weather—in other words—scares me. Um, but I think they'll play more inspired. I don't know that they're going to play lights out necessarily with Bethard, as I'm assuming Bethard will be the quarterback, especially without Christian Kirk, uh, you know, there as well. And, and who knows with Walker Little, all those injuries. But I'll say they—they definitely—we're not going to be sitting in here on Monday saying I can't believe the defense played that poorly again.
1: I think they were pissed after the Houston game here. And I think you really saw the way they bonded in London, the way they played against the Falcons and the Bills, and came back here and played. I, I think I don't. I'm, I'll I'll wait till Friday to whether or not I'm going to predict a win or not. But I'll bet they play. I'll bet you. I'll bet. You, I'll bet the Browns get the best they've got. I, and I and I still think they're a good team. I, again, I'll say it again. They're seven and two in their last nine games. One game was an overtime loss when they didn't play very well and still almost won the game. The other games against the Forty Nine ers are ridiculous, by the way. The 49ers just put 42 19 on the Eagles.
2: Uh, listen, in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, in and I mean and I mean if you watched that game, we all did, you watched it. you watched that game? Mhm. They scored five straight touchdowns. I mean, they they put 42 to 19 on the Eagles in Philadelphia after putting what 42 to 10 on the Cowboys earlier in the year. Yeah. 34 to 3 on the Jags. I mean, are pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so the only two games you've lost in the last 9 are that team in this game the other day, when you missed a field goal I'm lost in overtime, so I'm.
2: Forty Niners not... could have won the Super Bowl last year if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt. Correct. That's what I think people forget.
1: And you know what else too, Lauren? And we didn't realize what Brock Purdy was yet, right? You know, so so even in that Eagles game, we weren't sure. Well, now we kind of know what he is. Mm-hmm. Now you, to your point, now you really realize what they lost when they lost him in that game. You know, you you really realize it. So I I'm not giving up on the Jets. We'll take a break. I want to talk about the college. Uh, Circumstance the college football playoff. Uh, we did not get a chance to talk about it because we weren't on the air. Our program yesterday, but I want to get to it today. Florida State is out. Um, Georgia is out. Uh, you know the four that are in. That's our topic after this.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on the Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet.
1: Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you. Florida State got left out. They won all their games. The uh, committee did not have them in the top four. You know the story by now. Here's my take Whether you're talking about Florida State, I'd say the same thing if it was Washington. I'd say the same thing if it was any other undefeated team. Michigan, whoever. This, No matter what people say, this bunk that it's about who's best is never true or never appropriate, ever appropriate. The very essence of sports is it's always about did you deserve it. Always about did you deserve it. That's how you win trophies. You win trophies by winning and and deserving it. The the biggest – here's what's most comical to me. If you looked at the poll, Alabama was fourth and Florida State fifth, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Alabama fourth, Florida State fifth. Correct. And Boo Corrigan said, we just didn't think they were as good as Alabama without Travis. Right? Right? I mean, that's what he said. We just didn't think they were as good as Alabama without Jordan Travis. Well, they're not. But if it's how good you are, if 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 really what you're saying is how good you are, then how in the world are they ranked ahead of Georgia? Cuz there's not a chance in hell they're as good as Georgia without Jordan Travis. That's what debunked the theory. You can't if you really said if you really judging how good are they without Jordan Travis? They're ninth they're not better than Oregon either, and that's no knock on FSU, but that shows you what it, they just wanted to get them out of the four. They didn't want to rank them where they were. They just wanted to get them out of the four. That that's that's why FSU's got a legitimate gripe on this thing. It never. It, and again, I don't think they would have beaten any of the teams in the playoff. I, I think I think if they'd have come in fourth, I think they should have been third. By the way, I think the top the, the three undefeated teams should have been one, two, three, and then probably Texas ahead of Alabama because they beat them. But, but but, regardless of who you root for, regardless of whether you're a Florida fan, an FSU fan, whatever you are, forget the teams and just think concept for a second. Never is how good somebody thinks you are more important than what you've accomplished. Ever, ever in any sport, in Little League, in soccer, in whatever, how good somebody thinks you are now what they did is that, yes, what they didn't want – I'll go to my grave saying this, Hayes. They didn't want clunkers. They wanted three good games. They're tired of having a clunker. There have been a lot of clunkers in that playoff. And they felt like if FSU – whether they're right or not, it's inconsequential. They felt like with Florida State in, they'd have another clunker. And without with the four teams in now, they're unlikely to have a clunker. And I agree with that, by the way. I think there's now going to be three good games. I, I really I really expect three good games. So they – but – just say what you, say. the truth. We thought with FSU in, we were going to have a clunker. We thought because their quarterbacks hurt, and and with the four teams we have in, we think we're going to have three good games. But don't ever tell me, don't say, don't rank them fifth. I, I'd have felt better if they had ranked them ninth because then they would have been honest at least. We're ranking them how good we think they are without their quarterback. I, I This is one time that every Florida State fan has a right to be upset about this. You play 13 games, you won all the games. It's not your fault. That Florida's no good, and Miami's no good, and Louisville's no good, and Clemson's no good. It's not your they, they can't be held accountable for that. The the truth is all those teams aren't very good, and but losing Travis, it was the perfect storm, Hayes. You lost your quarterback and the the three or four teams you could see no they didn't have a, they didn't have a good win. Not their fault but i mean washington had the two oregon wins alabama had the georgia win texas had the alabama win fsu didn't have one but that's not their fault you know lsu but but lsu isn't the caliber of win those other ones are and that's but that's not their that's not fsu's fault not lsu's their best win and and lsu a 434 lost team so so the point is all the stuff that wasn't their fault got them knocked out and the other thing is you don't get to go 12 and 0 13 and 0 very often I don't care who you are. It doesn't – I mean, I guess Georgia might disagree with that. But for the most part, it doesn't happen all the time. I don't know that FSU is going to have that crack again anytime soon because they, 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 they relied on the portal. They relied on older guys. Those guys are all out. And so um, the, the committee got this one wrong. Uh, it'll have a better playoff. It'll have a better tournament. But I think they got this one wrong.
3: Well, a committee should never tell a program like Florida State your season's over, it, the, your national championship aspirations for a program like Florida State should never be decided by a committee. Uh, and that's And that's what happened here. Uh, and so it, it was grossly unfair to Florida State. I would have liked to have seen what Jared Verse could do in that defense. Well, that's the ag- shame of it. Against a Michigan. I'm not sure Michigan's scoring yeah. that much I against agree. that defense. Well, that's
1: the shame of it is that defense, which was as good as Annie's, didn't get to play in the tournament. The, de- the defense, that defense earned its way into the tournament. Yeah. They didn't
3: get And to play Benson
2: it. and Toa Feely yeah. right. and Wilson yeah. and Coleman. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I not
3: agree. sure that, that that Wildcat would have been easy to defend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the other part of it, too, is they were going to have Rodemaker back, and he has 15 practices to get acclimated. So he's going to be a different player by the semifinal game than he was in the Swamp against Florida. Uh, and so, and and absolutely, if if it was going to make that big of a difference, then the second Jordan Travis was hurt, and the initial rankings after that, Florida State should have been dropped to like ninth, and and basically the message would have been, sorry, but I you know because of this injury, we're going to use it as a disqualifier, as unfair as that would be, but at least it would have it wouldn't have led to this being blindsided and left at the altar. You know, uh, twelve hours after you've won a conference championship, uh, and and again, I, I I do think that there's yes, I think they were afraid of the clunker. Although I still think that's a little, I, I still don't know that Florida State was going to get destroyed uh, because of oh, how yeah. well their defense oh, well, was I, playing. I'm not telling you yeah. I think it would be a clunker. No, I, I know you that's what they feared. I, I get it. I, and and in terms of I uh, in terms of looking at the other thing, I would say is. A couple things. The SEC and Big Ten run college football. And, I mean, again, this was a parlor trick to get the FSU snub, was a parlor trick to get everybody talking about that and not talking about what Michigan did. And Michigan being number one hasn't been controversial at all because everybody's focused on Florida State not getting in. So it, it provided a disguise there. And, and, again, really the Big Ten and SEC – represent the whole thing because Washington's headed to the Big 10 and Texas is headed to the SEC. I even wonder if Florida State would have still gotten in if Georgia had beaten Alabama because I think it could have easily ended up being Georgia, Michigan, Washington and then the SEC demanding that Texas went over FSU. So I mean I I think FSU I honestly think that it was the chips were against them. I uh, f- no matter how it went, because I think the Big Ten and the SEC were really determined to max out their teams, and and that's what they've done. I mean, yes, Washington is a Pac-12 team, and yes, Texas is a Big Twelve team, but you For know, now. the second this season ends, the Big Ten is going to hype Washington as they should, as you know, wherever they finish, and the SEC is absolutely going to hype Texas and claim it as. The SEC put two teams in last year, you know, and so I I think a lot of it has to do with that. I I do think this, uh, and I'd I'd be fascinated to hear, uh, you know, from legal experts that that would have more of an idea of this, but from a a novice's perspective, if I was on a jury about the grant of rights, and, I mean, how how can they hold Florida State to a grant of rights in a conference that has failed them this miserably, where you go undefeated in this league and it still doesn't get you in, like, they're entitled to relief now. I think they can make a very strong legal argument that this is why we have to get out. Now, again, the other issue is, is where are they going, and I understand that. But from a purely being able to get out from under the grant of rights in the ACC, they shouldn't be held to anything because the ACC can't fulfill what it's designed to do which is to protect their interests.
2: And that's where some of those conspiracy theories come in. Well, because Florida State demanded out of the ACC, ACC didn't have its back. And, yeah, Greg Sankey has more power than everyone else and all that stuff. I just feel for – I have lots of friends that were in Charlotte for FSU beating Louisville, and they all thought, like the rest of us did, it doesn't matter how sloppy this game goes. As long as you win, you're in. That is – I mean, you spend a lot of money to go to an ACC championship game and you are there watching a third-string quarterback still beat a top-10 team. You deserve to be in the playoffs.
1: And again, if they, if they want to say they're not as good as Alabama, then why are they not ninth? Because the truth of the matter is, if you're not as good as Alabama, you're not as good as Georgia. And one final thought or two about this: I've just now been the uh, the uh, the FSU rah-rah guy, and well, now I'm going to be the Georgia rah-rah guy. Sure. Weird world we're in. The uh, <laughs> the the this year's Georgia team is the best case ever for why you need a 12-team playoff. Georgia's got the best team. They had the best team two years ago. They had the best team last year. They have the best team this year. I'm not knocking Alabama. Maybe Alabama's just as good. I mean, Alabama beat them fair and square head-to-head. This isn't a knock on Alabama's team. But you can't be as good as Georgia is. can't be as good as Georgia is in one three-point loss in a conference championship game after you've blown everybody out for 3 years in a row and your season's over it's not it's wrong it's not people say you, you have to protect the integrity of the regular season i want the integrity of the the regular season protected but it should not be tragic it should have integrity that's a tragic end to georgia's season and it's the system we they've been in for the longest time but don't tell me if there was a 12 team tournament georgia might not just go win the damn thing anyway they would be my pick to win it if there was a 12-team tournament. Now, in fairness to Alabama, Alabama was really good in that game. I thought Alabama won the line of scrimmage. I thought they were more physical. I thought Alabama's offensive line against a obviously always good Georgia defensive line won that battle. And Alabama deserved every bit of that. Don't, Alabama don't. was
2: more battle-tested this season than Georgia just based off of the schedules they played.
1: No question. But Alabama, you're not going to convince me Alabama's better when they needed a a 4th-and-31 play at the end of a game, <laughs> to beat a mediocre Auburn team. Georgia never needed one of those. Georgia Georgia never needed it. And and George, this year's Georgia team, Hayes, is the best example of how you had to have a tournament. There's no way – and listen, I'm a Florida guy. I, I'm not crying for Georgia. They're the enemy as far as me, me as a fan. But as a media guy and as someone that loves the sport, there's no way that season should be over because of one loss when they're that good. They should. That. That's why every other sport has always had a tournament, except this one, which can't figure out what they're doing. That's why Georgia is the perfect reason and example as why, as to why you have to have a tournament. Yeah. If
3: my criteria for my four teams, if I if I was running it, and my only criteria were I'm going to pick the four teams I fear the most in playing, that's going to be how I determine who plays for the national title. Georgia would be my one seed. Same. Michigan would be my two seed. Same. Texas would be my three seed, and Alabama would be my four seed. Ditto on all four.
1: Ditto on all four, and the order.
2: Do we have a little bit of a anti Pac twelve sentiment?
1: I agree with Hayes. I mean, if, I think if, they if, were pretty if, average. Yeah,
3: now I'll give yeah. them credit. They rallied yeah. Friday night, yeah. and, no. and they were ready to play in Oregon. Obviously, no, and wasn't. By the
1: way, no disrespect to Pac twelve, but Ohio State would be my fifth. If I if I went if I went right. five deep, I'd, I'd go Ohio State five. So, and maybe we're wrong. Sure. But that is, where where would you go? Same question Hayes just asked.
2: I honestly have not watched a Washington game in and game out. I've same, watched them ag- same, that's same. why same. I wonder if we have a little bit of the anti-Pac fair, fair, 12.
1: Same with me. Same. So I'd have I'd to be lying if I I'd, go I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd go back and I'd
2: watch more of Washington and then I'd go back and I've watched a lot of Texas and then I'd make my decision. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm close to what you're saying.
1: But, and I, and I and I agree. But with I can you. make the argument for Washington. But I guess I and listen, I what I what I probably was guilty of doing is watching other Pac-12 games that I just happened to watch: Florida, Utah, Notre Dame, USC. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame bludgeoned USC. Now it turned out so did the Pac-12 teams do. I know yeah. that, but but the uh, so but but nonetheless, Hayes, what you just described is the best description of it. If I had to line up teams I feared playing the most, Georgia would be one. Michigan would be two. I, 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 the exact order you had. I had Georgia one, Michigan would be two. Uh, Texas, Alabama. I don't know it. I might not put Alabama ahead of Texas now, but I wouldn't because they beat them. But I mean, if, but if I'm if we're taking all that off, just who would you really fear the most? I, I don't know if Texas and Alabama played tomorrow. If I'd pick Texas, I might pick Alabama this time. But 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 I, I probably would pick Alabama this time. But but the point is, regardless of the order, that's the fourteen. If you if you if that's really so, having Georgia six behind FSU. No knock on the Knowles. I just defended them. Nobody in the right mind thinks FSU without Jordan Travis is better than Georgia, you know. So that just disproves this whole theory of well, they weren't as good as.
2: Could you have defended the committee more if the committee, let's say, put Georgia in and left Texas out?
1: Uh, well, you, you, and had and had Texas fifth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you have,
2: like as far as the FSU thing. Yeah, well, the F, right if, because I, they I'll, believe I'll they truly believe I'll these are here. the four best teams, if, not just if FSU had been sixth or seventh. I still
1: think that'd have be been a bunch of bunk that they didn't get a chance to play. But I would believe the answer more if they if they did a poll and FSU came in eighth or ninth and they said, listen, without Jordan Travis, we think they're the ninth best team. I still would be terribly against the way they did it, but I'd believe them then. What I don't believe is that they got the order of the best teams because they had FSU ahead of Georgia.
3: I think they just hoped that a Florida or a Louisville would do them a favor. Of
1: course they did.
3: And beat FSU. Right. And when that didn't happen – they then had to show their cards for what they truly thought of that team without Jordan Travis, and that was a mistake in hindsight. Mm -hmm. They should have immediately moved them down and and taken the the brunt of the criticism then, but at least established that this is what we're doing. Instead, what you've done is you've ripped the heart out of a great fan base, and you've made a fantastic, iconic program look small. Because that's what this has done to FSU. It makes them look like a small program. And we all we all know that that's not the case. Right,
1: right. And, and I 100% agree with that. So, so anyway, it is what it is. Final thought on this, by the way. FSU-Louisville was, turned out to be a terrific game. Because FSU, Brock Glenn wasn't ready. It's not his fault. He wasn't going to be ready. Louisville had no chance against that Florida State defense. Which made it a heck of a back and forth game. Yeah, I don't know about terrific. Games. Yeah. yeah, well, well. <laughs> a tough well, a, well, 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 you're right. It was, yeah. a, it was a hard. Three nothing. One. At the how good
3: how Brown got six. Louisville oh. the ten wins. Let me rephrase it. Wow, yeah, that's a great watch. coaching. It was a horrible
1: watch, but it was a dramatic game. It was. It was a dramatic. It was a horrible watch, but because the biggest play, the biggest play of the game, the biggest play of the game was was it Bethune that. The, oh yeah, the, the pick in the end zone. The, 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 the pulled the ball out in the end zone, not the pick. Oh, the play oh, before. The play before. The play, the the, the, the pick in the end zone was easy. You throw it right to him. The play before was a touchdown, and FD, I think it was Bethune too. I think it was the same guy. I think it was. Did an amazing job. He did such a good job defensively. He kept the tight end from coming down with the ball. I mean, the, he caught the ball, but it, they got the call right. I thought it was an incomplete pass. Cause he caught because when he, you gotta you gotta control it to the ground. And the FSU guy made sure he didn't control it to the ground. He scores there, they win. FSU, I don't think FSU's coming back. I maybe I know FSU scored two more kick, two more field goals after that. Mm-hmm. One after a fourth down uh, ball goes over on downs. I thought when they tackled the FSU punter, I said, this is the game. Louisville gets it in, they win. Louisville doesn't get in, FSU wins. And give FSU defense credit. They found a way to keep them out. So interesting stuff. So, all right, so we'll talk more about that as we get closer to it. But uh, tough end of the season for the Noel Fans and FSU fans has FSU fan has every right to be upset about this. And I'll say the same thing about Georgia fan. I'll give Georgia fan credit. I haven't heard any Georgia fans whining. They said, "Hey, we got to beat fair and square. We'll take our two titles." But this is why there should be a tournament. This Georgia, I'll tell you what. There were some late '80s, early '90s FSU teams that are also felt the same way. They were probably the best team at the end, but had a loss or two. And so, um, and by the way. If Alabama had gone in ahead of Texas and FSU had been in, there'd have been an outcry, right? Sure, because Texas won on the field. But I can tell you of two instances in '93, FSU Notre Dame beat FSU. One week later, Tom Coughlin and Boston College beat Notre Dame, and Notre Dame people are still mad they didn't get into the game, and FSU did. In 2000, Miami beat FSU, and both finished and by the way, in '93, both finished with one loss and Notre Dame beat them head-to-head, yet FSU got to play in the game and won the national title. In 2000, Miami beat them head-to-head. Both teams finished with one loss, and my and FSU got into the game and lost the game, lost the game to Oklahoma. But both times, FSU was beneficiary of – now, listen, they, it, they had the same record. It wasn't someone with the worst record went over, and that's what's so galling about this. But so it, it's been unfair for a long time. I guess that's kind of the point. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, is anybody left on the Gator football team? No. Do they – how many are they, they going to try and have you heard? You're they're going to play Iron Man football next co- year. <laughs> you cover them. Uh, you 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 cover them closely. Any word out? And again, uh, this stuff doesn't always leak on Twitter. So if it, if it's leaked on Twitter and I missed it, I apologize. But any word out of whether they plan on having a season next year? Do you yeah, know? I, I think they're going to have okay. the season. Okay.
3: Now I I think they're going to have you know they're December free. <laughs> I don't think they're going to have to worry too much about. The postseason, the way that uh, – I, I mean, they've got Graham Mertz. And, and by the you got way, Graham Mertz and Cam Jackson. What else could you possibly need? Can you throw to Cam Jackson? Well, I tell you, he can, he's way, a good and, runner and, between and the tackles.
1: And by the way – And Mertz I, at safety, yeah, and look and, out. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I'm going to talk about the Gators when we come back. And I'm having, I'm kind of joking because I'm really making fun of how – not how bad I think Florida might be, but how everybody thinks the program's dead. And it might be dead. But i but I get it. The transfer
2: I, portal is worse than ever.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's very, it'll be very interesting. Let's talk about that after this. Stay with us.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet.
2: RJ, you're confused as to what day it is, aren't you?
3: Today's Tuesday, isn't it?
2: Yeah. yeah. Didn't that just say best bet?
4: Oh. oh, my God.
2: <laughs> I'm too tired. I mean, it's fine. Our friends at Best Bet appreciate it.
1: That's right. There
2: you go. So I there. just had a feeling it, it was Tuesday. Oh,
1: so there you go. So there, I didn't even hear it. RJ, don't listen to her. I didn't even hear it. We're all good.
2: We are all it's good. It's been a crazy RJ, week. what time did you go to bed this morning?
1: At seven.
2: Oh. Ho, ho, ho. What were you doing at Four.
1: Oh, I was here at the studio. <laughs> how long? Working. Uh, how long did the fifth quarter go, RJ?
4: The fifth quarter went till three. And then, of course, I had my features and then had to get a uh, sound for, you know,
1: Jaguars today, the drill, et cetera. You know, RJ's working. Well, we slackers are asleep. He's yeah, working, we were okay? All sleeping. Slackers sleep, workers work. That's, that's right. Happens.
2: And I can tell you, I'm sure the fifth quarter was spirited because A, I follow Hacker on Twitter. Yeah. And B, I sit very close to Coach Campbell in the press box. So I already had a, a good idea of what was coming on that show from 1 hack- to 3, or one thirty to 3.30 a.m.
1: Hacker's one of my favorite people in the world. Mm-hmm. Twitter Hacker's not a happy guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> and God bless him. I love him. But a Twitter Hacker's not a happy person. No. God bless his little soul. Uh, we love him, though. You know we love hack. Um, uh One of the reasons for that, though, is the Gators. Um, so what happens now? So, so Merch is back. Mertz got a good NIL deal to come back, as we expected that he would. Um, uh Cam Jackson's back. They got a lot of guys that we expect that are back that we just don't expect they'll go to the portal. But they've lost good players in the portal. I I, I think that they've lost um I think Will Norman is going to be a good player. Um they just, I, I'm who, who they just lose recently that I that I didn't want them to lose in the portal. Caleb Douglas, maybe. Caleb Douglas, yeah, or somebody else. There somebody? Oh, McClellan. Yeah, McClellan. Oh, Chris McClellan. McClellan. Who I think that's what they don't want to lose is big guys. That's what they don't have. He would have been a junior. Look, one of the reasons FSU was so good is they had a lot of twenty-two and twenty-three-year-old players. I'll bet aren't Michigan's whole in Michigan's whole starting offensive line like twenty-three years old? I think so. Yeah, those are the best teams now. The best teams have the difference between a twenty-two or twenty-three-year-old man and an eighteen-year-old just out of high school is enormous. It's an enormous difference. And Hayes, I think the biggest thing Florida Florida's got to get to the point where they got some older guys. Now look. They're desperately going to try. They're going to try and really load up in the portal, but that's about their only chance, right? I mean, people now, people are more, Florida fan is more concerned than they've been, I think, even in some of the McIlwain-Mullen periods.
3: Yeah, I, I think so because you you see your school not responding well to a changing environment, and they have they haven't done well with the collective. We all know the... Gator Collective and its uh, disintegration a year ago. So, you know, of all the teams that have been in the NIL world, Florida has looked the worst in it. Now, you know, their hope is the new Florida Victorious will right that ship, and we'll see. This, this next month is going to be a big, uh, you know, big example of if they're on the right track or not. But, yeah, it's a concern because I, I think they have a very small core group of players some of those players I think are gonna be leaving. Uh my guess is Trevor Etienne is probably not gonna play for Florida next year. Oof. Uh and so uh, you know, and, and and he may not be the only one that's significant if you can have a star on a bad team, uh he may not be the only star that that uh looks to go elsewhere. So I think they're in a really tough spot. Uh you know, I, I I don't think it's that attractive from a portal standpoint. I mean, yeah, you can play right away, but you know, the, a lot of schools are going to be able to offer that. So, um, you know, is it is it a place you want to go where the second you get on campus, you know your coach is somewhat on a hot seat? You know the pressure that comes with that? You know, would you do you want to be a part of that or would you rather go to an established program where you've got a much better chance of winning big? And you know that you're not going to have to deal with, is my coach going to get, you know, fired eight games into next season? So, I mean, Billy Napier has a really, really tough road ahead of him because I think it's going to be hard unless Florida just, you know, offers more in terms of money. uh, But it doesn't seem like they're in a great, uh, great shape there. I mean, you know, they're not in, in some sort of position that other schools aren't. So it's, you know, I, I I don't know that there's a road for them to, you know, be the team that kind of dominates the portal. And and I just think that he doesn't have enough high-impact players in 2024 that I think are going to radically change their fortunes. Uh, and And since I don't think he's going to get much better at managing games, I don't know that you're going to see the talent make the kind of step forward it's going to have to make for a five and seven coach to all of a sudden become a eight and four coach that can probably save his job by winning eight games.
2: Yeah. The exit of either to me, Trey Wilson or Trevor Etienne is going to be the most damning of all the different players. Even some of the guys on defense for Billy Napier, because they were the sparks on offense this season when they played well and having Graham Mertz return, Frank last week, you said it that gave you some juice. That's exciting. That means maybe the offense will be better than a lot of the offenses that they're going to face because you have the returning quarterback who was poised and, and had such a good completion percentage, made really good decisions. But I feel like without those guys, we didn't see much else as far as offensive pieces. And, and, yes, they can get some guys in the transfer portal, but it doesn't seem like they're going in the direction of an FSU where they're going to get such great talent that they're going to start immediately.
1: I don't sense Trey Wilson's going anywhere. What, what, what is the scuttlebutt on him? He's leaving? No, I think I don't think, I think Wilson, most
3: people believe he returns. Yeah,
1: I don't think Trey Wilson's going
3: anywhere. Um, but I th- again, this thing's open for a month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, this isn't like four days right. and then it's over. I mean, he yeah. could decide. That's right. December twenty ninth.
1: Yeah, the the scuttlebutt you hear is that Trevor Etienne wants to leave. Now, whether that's whether the scuttlebutt is true or not, I don't have any sources telling me that. It's just the word on that's the word on Twitter and the word in the in the in the universe is that Trevor Etienne wants to leave. I don't know that to be true. Um, I know he hadn't done it yet. So, that, and, and so And he hasn't spoke to it yet, but that's the word out there. I, I'll say again what I said about him before. Having Graham Mertz come back in a world where just about everybody else in college football is either going to be playing a new quarterback or a portal quarterback, which is the new quarterback, having your guy come back in your system, uh, who's obviously a very good player, uh, it really helps. Uh, I think the running backs, I, my gut tells me their skill guys will be okay. My gut tells me um, I don't think he's given up play calling. I, I, that's my guess. The biggest question I have is: Will they have enough physical, older linemen to compete with the teams that have physical, older linemen? That and and I don't know that you can do that in the portal. You can you can you can supplement what you have, but you you can't find the steak in the portal. You can find the seasoning, you know. But I just, so so we'll see. I, I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason, though. It, I mean, it really is. And the portal has begun uh, to, to already uh, kind of rear its head. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the portal overall. Uh, other Jaguar thoughts. Denny Thompson stops by at 5 o'clock. Lauren's got the rest of the hour off after that. She gets ready for helmets and heels. This is 1010XL and
0: 92.5. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnicked your friends in the car business since 1941.
2: Welcome back to the Frangie Show on this Nimnick Tuesday. Frank Frangie, Hazel Carline, R.J. Saunders. I am Lauren Brooks. I'm going to talk more about the transfer portal. As of now, I think it, the number is like 5,000 players in FBS, uh, over a thousand in Division One have entered the transfer portal, and it's only just the beginning.
1: Yeah, I really think – I said this last week. I'll say it again. I think we're going to see something this year, the likes of which we've never seen. I, I think you're going to have, particularly the quarterback position, almost every team changing every year. Now, it's not going to be quite that extreme, but I mean I think you're going to look up and in the SEC, which is going to have what – will it be 16 with now mm-hmm. Texas, Oklahoma? I think most years – you'll have 10 to 12 of the 16 have a quarterback to play for somebody else the year before. Agree or disagree? Totally agree. 10 10 to 12 of the 16 will be a quarterback who attended classes at a different university, at a different American university the year before. Think about that for a second.
2: It's overwhelming. And all three of the quarterback Heisman Trophy finalists came from another school before – all three. Now being well, let's do potentially this. voted the Heisman.
1: Let's do this right now. Of the 14 teams in the SEC this season, mm-hmm. okay, uh, let me ca- count, let's count as best we can how many started college at a different school. Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri. That's five of the seven in the East, right? Vanderbilt, oh. I don't know. But five of the seven in the <laughs> East. That Vanderbilt, game. I actually <laughs> think,
3: is one that okay. was a transfer. But that's I think that's six.
1: Okay, six. All right, in the West. Did you say South Carolina? I did, yeah, he I did. did. Okay. So Vanderbilt did six of the seven in the East, had a quarterback who started at a different, okay. In the West, Auburn, LSU, that's eight. Old Miss. Ole Miss is nine. A&M. and m Ten. And then I think
3: Will Rogers signed with Mississippi State, or was he a transfer?
1: Yeah, no, he, he was signed with them, so 10. Yeah. So,
3: and then K.J. Jefferson, I he think He
1: started is. there. Yeah. yeah. So 10 of the – and by the way, had Tyler Buckner won the F, the, Notre Dame, the Alabama job, he would have, but but Bill Rose started there. So 10 of the 14, in the, in, the, in the Southeastern Conference, 10 of the 14 quarterbacks who were their main starter this year started their career at a different college. Think about that. And I think that's just going to get heightened, I think, more and more because why not bring in a veteran quarterback who's already proven he's pretty good? Well,
3: that's the thing. Like, Oklahoma is losing their guy to Oregon. It looks right. like that's where Dylan Gabriel is mm-hmm. going to go. His uh, third school. His third school. So, like, you know, Riley Leonard leaving Duke to go to Notre Dame, like, that doesn't, if that's where he ends up going, like, that doesn't surprise me because that's a, a much different level of football in terms of the tradition. And his head coach And left. his co- head yeah. coach is gone. but. For Oklahoma to be losing a guy to Oregon, like to me, that's like wow. That what it's what that tells me is that like pretty much every quarterback, even if they're having success, they're just gonna get in the portal if if they're able to, which ninety five percent of them can. I uh, I mean they all can do it once, but they, it seems like to your point about Gabriel, I mean it, it's amazing how many. Freebies these guys get. I saw J.T. Daniels announced his retirement from football over the weekend because too. he's 33 now <laughs> and he's played for 19 colleges. Uh, so it just it, if the business aspect of this is going to allow you
1: to test the waters every year, well, why wouldn't you do that? And if you're a team and a coach desperately trying to keep his job, by the way, there's only two coaches in college football. There's the guy winning championships. Or playing for them, and then there's the guy on the hot seat. There's not many in between. So if you're the guy on the hot seat, which is most of them, why wouldn't you go get veteran guy if you can, right? And if you got a million to pay him, which is what Matt Rule said the going rate is, and by the way, all the blue bloods have that. All, all the I would say all the Power Fives can find a million for the quarterback. You agree with that? I do. All the Power Fives can find a million for the quarterback. They may not be able to find the overall nil dollars, but the million for the quarterback. The power f- the Blue Bloods for sure. I think most of the Power Fives can find that.
2: So here's what I wonder, and we it's too short of a time now to have a sample size, but does transferring in college negatively affect you playing in the NFL?
1: I don't think it has any effect at all. I think maybe once upon a time, uh, like way back in the day, if a guy transferred, he was looked at as disloyal. But I can tell you this. I, I know I've told you guys this story before. Billy Ray, Dan McGuire, and Jeff George – were the three Parade All-American quarterbacks, okay? Billy Ray went to Alabama. Dan McGuire went to USC. Jeff George went to Purdue. All three transferred out. Billy Ray went from Alabama to Duke. McGuire went from uh, USC to San Diego State. And Jeff George went from Purdue to Illinois. And it didn't affect any of them. Now they didn't turn out. None of them turned out to be good pros. Uh, yeah, I
2: don't mean sorry, getting drafted. I mean your success long term in the NFL, How? like changing coordinators in college, and, yeah. and does that negatively impact you eventually?
1: I don't think so. Okay, I don't. I don't think it's a fair question. I don't. I don't. But I'm just telling. You, I think we are about to see a world, and I'm using quarterbacks for. But again, the Florida State football team, Mike Norvell, did a marvelous job of. Of getting an all-star team from other colleges and building his team. I mean, how many of those FSU starters didn't start there? I mean, if you start if you start going first and Love it and all those defensive guys and I mean um, Benson started Benson and so who's Oregon Oregon. the quarterback, the receivers, uh, both receivers, Jaheim Bell, yeah. So yeah, all three receivers, end. if you count the tight end. I mean, and the other, Morlock, the other tight end. I mean, so right. So I think a pretty good bit of their
3: line. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think so. so so they and so again he it was did, substantial. But I think that's the world we're headed. For. And, and
3: now the thing that is really interesting is it. It seemed like the portal. Some schools were resistant to it uh and now everybody is going to fully embrace it so the competition now for players right is going to be extreme and uh, again it's if it's going to make it harder for schools that were doing great to continue to do great because i think they're going to have more competition right uh, for talent and again it's it's fantastic if you're the player because now a marketplace where maybe you know, only two-thirds of the Power Five were really interested in the portal, and a third were still like, well, we're not really embracing that. We want to build through high school recruiting. Now they're in, too. So, I mean, it's basically a bonanza if you're a college football player that's done anything. Yeah. I mean, it it really, financially, unless your current school is really taking great care of you, it makes a ton of sense to get in the portal and see what... I mean, again, like we talk about in NFL Free Agency... It only takes one team to give you an offer that you are just shocked you're getting. That's right. Uh, But why wouldn't you allow yourself the chance to get that offer that gives you life-changing wealth at an early age?
2: Right. Because, I mean, you're better off having at least $500,000 in the bank before the NFL goes calling or if you can't play in the NFL. Like, at least you have a foundation on which to build your life, which virtually no one has (laughs) unless you're family is super wealthy.
1: You're exactly right. All right. Enjoy your hour off. What's coming up tonight? Anything fun? Thank you.
2: Uh, not so much fun. It's not a victory Tuesday yeah, like it, it has won. been. We'll review last night. Uh, Mia did an interview in the locker room after the game with Zay Jones. We'll get to hear from him. Uh, we at least have good news, like you said earlier, Frank on Trevor Lawrence, uh, as far as it's not season ending. No surgery needed as of now, they expect. So, Hopefully, uh, the season isn't over like so many people had predicted last night. All
1: right. Enjoy your hour off. Denny Thompson joins us to talk quarterbacks more after this.
2: The Frangie
0: Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings.
4: Now, the quarterback whisperer, Denny Thompson. Okay, bring it in. Brought to you by Tyson Sound and Security. Register Sausage. And George Moore Chevrolet.
0: One, two, three.
1: Hey! away as we welcome in Denny Thompson from Springdale, Arkansas to the program. Um, I, uh, our newest sponsor on the Quarterback Whisperer is Register Sausage. I had mine today. Oh, nice. You had any yet? I haven't really good. Yeah, I can't wait to try it. Really good. And since you're the
4: star of the show, I'm going to bring you some, too. Well, I was just about to say, hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) Well said.
1: I got about halfway through that. I said, you know what? He's about to chew my ass, and he probably should. (laughs) I mean, we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's real. I'm going to get you registered. It's our newest client to to support uh, you. I love. uh, Oh, really? You're going to love it. Oh, you're
4: gonna support me by giving me a sausage? Yes. Here? Yeah, okay, yeah. I love that. There's I mean, no like, better way. Like, yeah, but I mean, I'm just telling you, are we talking? Because remember, I'm from Louisiana. You said Springdale, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. But I'm from Louisiana.
1: I know, but I bake up stuff all the time. Have you figured that? Have no, but I'm saying, like, like I
4: mean, are we? They got yeah. some spice to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I'm in. In, in fact, yeah. they've got, the, got all sorts of different the, the, kinds. The, I'm, I'm in. The,
1: I had the spicy one. I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. It is unbelievably good. So, so there you I'm go. gonna tell
4: you, who you have to get some for is my pops.
1: Okay, yeah. you know what? I'm gonna th- I'm gonna take care of you. We're, all right, there we, you, so there, there we we go. There we go. And
3: it's in Winn Dixie and Publix. Well, there yeah, you go. So, so there. Um,
1: what'd you make of the, all the college? We'll get to we'll get to the pros after the break. But what'd you make of number one FSU not getting in, Georgia getting beat by Alabama? The whole in totality, the college football football weekend. What'd you take out of it?
4: Uh, can we, Let's start with Florida State because I, yeah. I, I hate that decision. I, I get it. I haven't everybody talked to anybody yet that doesn't. Yeah, everybody gets it. Everybody understands it. Every, but, you know, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one to say this. this is, I tweeted it. I'm sure there's been a million people say it. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that Jordan Travis is that important, you cannot then release a Heisman list without him on it. Like that, Good that point. I don't understand that at all. Like, if that one person is that important, then how is he not at least in New York? I
1: mean, you know, the answer is it's different people. I side. I got that, but, but I hear your point. But okay.
4: but it's it, there's I just hate it. I and and I'm a Florida fan, and and you know I've made no bones about it. I've got a great great relationship with Florida State, and I know Jordan. Those kids earned that. Plain and simple, they earned it. They they won every single game, and that defense stepped up, and and and. And yes, I know they beat Louisville and they beat a bad Florida team, but they they won a rivalry game on the road without the quarterback, and they won a conference championship without the quarterback. I I don't understand how you punish them for that. Yeah, well, and that's the thing—they won other games.
1: I mean, if you if you're if you're a Power Five and you win all your games, you can't be ranked behind uh, Power Fives that lost games. And no, I think you can say in synopsis, Danny. It's it's not the thesis statement is pretty simple. If you're a Power Five school that wins all your games. You can't suddenly be ranked behind power five schools that don't win all their games. And that's, and, that's really the problem. And the
4: problem point. that we're all having and saying what we want to say is that we also know that Alabama is one of the four best schools in well, the country. Well, like I, Both
1: of those things are true. I made this point earlier. As is Georgia. Is it, right. right, I, I, right. Made, I made this point earlier. Boo Corrigan came out and said, Well, without, without Jordan Travis, we didn't think they were as good as Alabama. Okay, We just didn't think they were as good. Okay, so you ranked them fifth, yeah. which means you think they're better than Georgia, right? Okay, because you got them ahead of Georgia, right? So, I mean, if you were getting, if you were being honest, if you just wanted to rank them where you think they are, without Jordan, they're probably not ahead of Oregon, they're right? Not, you know, put them at eighth, eighth or ninth, correct? And, yeah. and, and I think that's, and I, I would have hated that even more, but I would have gotten it, right? It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been as hypocritical. Right. It. it was
4: a little bit of a participation right. trophy type of, of situation, and that Georgia Alabama game, I mean. We all watched it. That was a national championship. I, I, I'm sorry, it was like yeah. that is as physical of a football game as I've ever seen in my life. I, I, I that game meant so much to both those programs, and and you know, I Georgia doesn't, I don't think rightfully has an argument in this because they essentially played a quarterfinal and they lost. Right? If you win, you go in. But I, I could watch that game ten times, and I would be willing to bet that there wouldn't be a greater than six to four differential.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I, I told I told Hayes this earlier, and, and that the Georgia football team, this year's Georgia football team, is as good an example as we've ever had of why you need a 12-team tournament. Mm-hmm. Because all they've done these last three years, all they've done this year, the way they've walloped people, yep. they haven't even had a blemish, man,
3: mm-hmm. the
1: way they've walloped people. I mean, Alabama didn't wallop everybody. They lost to Texas. They probably should have lost to Auburn. Right. Georgia walloped everybody. One bad Saturday should not end their season. It just it just should. There there should be a tournament, and and that's why. And that's uh, they say. Well, you're destroying the integrity of the regular season. No, I'm not. the 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 regular season should still have 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 uh, credibility, but it shouldn't be tragic. Yeah, you shouldn't. A loss in the regular season should never be tragic. And right now in the system we have, it's tragic. And just ask Georgia.
4: I thought about today. I was uh, talking to Kirk Herbstreit today about this, and and uh, I just started thinking about it as I was listening to him say what he had to say. Like, what a difficult situation for somebody like that. Because if if you're going to put Alabama in, Texas has to be in. Somebody has to be out. Like right. you, to, it's exactly to the point you just made. we we're, we're years late on what should have already happened in this sport in every way, shape, and form, and now it's hurting the sport. Y'all were talking about NIL. We're years late, and so now it's being way overcooked and overdone, but it, it is what it is.
3: The the other thing about FSU is I don't think anybody doubts they have a, a national championship contending defense. Uh, and, and so this is part of the problem I had with it. Well, you know Tate Rodemaker is going to be fine. And I'm not saying he's Jordan Travis, but – over the course of bowl practices, having 15 practices to get him ready. And, you know, I mean, when, when the Jordan Travis injury happened, they're dealing with the shock of that. That's right. And having to force feed, get him ready. And then, obviously, you're down to your third guy against Louisville. I mean, that's – that's obviously, that's just an impossible situation to be in. And they who's were a freshman. Able, who's a true right, freshman. And they were able to to get the victory. So, the way I looked at it also was – well, I'd like to see what Jared Verse and Akeem Dent and, and that defensive front can do against Michigan because I don't think Michigan's moving the ball much. And who's to say Rodemaker with a month to prepare for it couldn't at least be on an A.J. McCarron-level uh, style I, quarterback?
4: I, I, right. Hayes, I, so, can't, I can't say it better. Hey, let the coaches coach. Let the players develop. You're an amateur sport. You're supposed to be an amateur sport. You're supposed to be at an age where kids are allowed to fail. We've just put so much money into this that it's, it's like minor league but with major fans, right? But you're not allowing it. You're, you're telling this team that you're, we're reducing you to your quarterback, and we don't believe that in a month's time that you're going to earn your salary and that these kids are going to have to play at your level or at this level. I, I, I hate everything about it, but I also understand with four teams is how it kind of somebody was going to get left out.
1: Uh, Carson Beck, uh, assess his season seems fantastic. And is he coming out? I want to know, right? now.
4: Yeah. I mean, the season, I, I, I think in hindsight, now you, you see those last two games, the injuries they had You know, lab, McConkie had no business being out there on Saturday. He, he tried, but I agree with you. Yeah. And, and so they, you kind of see where they had to shut it down a little bit, but I don't think the season could have gone much better, obviously, other than winning, uh, for Carson. Um, I don't know what he's going to do. I, I, you know, I was telling you guys this at the break. I, I, I think Carson is well within that first round range now. I think that's pretty common knowledge at this point. But at some point, you know, these guys have to make a decision that's best for them, not just in the pocketbooks, but mentally, physically, all that kind of stuff and so I genuinely think that he has put so much effort into that game this past Saturday that he's now I talked to him earlier today and he's just kind of relaxing and seeing, okay, a week from now am I am I thinking NFL or am I thinking about I want to come back and beat Bama.
3: One thing it's a it's a it's a win-win. I think for players now that that are in the, in this situation where you can go to the NFL make a lot of money be a first round pick or you can return to college and still do very well financially and and be able to enjoy everything that comes with that experience but one thing that I think I would consider if I was Carson is you know Certainly, you always want to be the number one overall pick that's that's a goal, and Caleb Williams and Drake may they look like they're gonna to be tough to knock out of those those first two slots, but one positive thing if you go somewhere between like seven and twelve is you're at least going to a team that's got something going for it, yeah you're not going to a team that is an absolute wreck, and so like you i mean really to be honest in looking at it like once you get beyond the you know the we'll see what the Bears do. They've got two picks. The Cardinals, they look pretty bad. Uh, The Patriots look like they're sort of lost in the wilderness. And we'll see about what the Titans decide to do. But there's going to be teams in that, you know, 7 to 12 range. And he may not be available then. But there is something to be said. It kind of helped Patrick Mahomes that he went 10th or 11th because he ended up going to the Chiefs. that were already pretty well built. And then they just – and he was able to sit for most of his rookie year. Like, to me, it's – I would look at some of that because the environment plays such a huge role, and you have no control over it when you're in the draft.
4: It's a different year this year than last year. Last year, about this time, we always look at kind of rosters of current NFL teams who, and their order, they're picking. And last year, like, those rosters looked pretty slim at the top. But now you got some teams with obvious quarterback needs that actually have pieces around it. Right, I mean, there's teams like Atlanta. Like, right, Atlanta is offensively loaded. Like, if they want to come up and play, like, they're probably an instant contender with the right quarterback. instance, instant, say two years. There's Minnesota. There's there's the Saints. All, there's the Saints. There's there's all these teams that they are just a right pick at quarterback away from being in their window. That wasn't the case last year. It's definitely a good year for that.
3: I think Vegas too. Yeah, no doubt is a team. I mean, yep. I'd be nice to show up as a rookie and yeah. I mean, I'm assuming Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs are there. I mean, it's. I I think that's something intriguing this year. And again, this will be a storyline as Jets. we get closer to the yeah, absolutely. The Jets the I mean, is there a better than the Jets? Right, yeah. you sit behind Aaron for a year, yeah. and yeah. I I mean so. That's the thing that I think is interesting as far as a a storyline that obviously we'll focus more on in April, but I think a lot of these rookie guys, once you get beyond Caleb Williams and Drake May, they're going to be in situations where they could make a, maybe not to the level of CJ Stroud, but, but have the chance to be
4: good immediately. No doubt. There's something else though in this transfer portal that's going on right now that I think it's important to note is we talk about the quarterbacks moving around and all that stuff, but we don't talk about receivers and all that kind of stuff. So if, if Carson were to say, hey, I want to come back, how many receivers do you think are trying to get to Georgia? A bunch. Right, you know. and that's how this thing is going. It, sure it is. It, and not just Carson. Like you look at what's happening with Cam or Will Rogers or anywhere across the country. It's We're not signing a quarterback. We're signing a quarterback that then's going to allow us to go get four receivers to compete with Florida State, Clemson, Alabama, whoever it is.
1: I think Carson Beck. If he come, if he announces today he's coming out and trains and does all the stuff and the pro day and the, and the combine and whatnot, I think he will be a top ten pick. I agree. I think he will be a top ten. I don't think he'll go ahead of Williams or May, but I think he will certainly start climbing up that list. Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels are different type players than he is. He's more athletic than people think. I think he will be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft.
4: Here's, my, right now. I, I, I agree completely. He's, Co- completely. he's so I would good. bet. On, I would bet on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago about, uh, I think it was Brugler who, who mentioned how well he plays on time. Yeah. And I mean, watching it against Alabama, it is, there is going to be a head coach and offensive coordinator that is going to say, this is the guy yeah. yep. because we can trust that he is going to do exactly what the play calls for. I mean, he just is so decisive. He's talented,
1: man. Yeah. He's and, talented. And, and, he... it's, and it's hard to find him, Denny. Oh. I mean, the NFL, the, whole, the it's the most important guy in sports, and you still can't find 32.
4: You know what's pretty cool, though, is to be 22 years old and to say, okay, I've got a decision to make. But either way that I make this decision, I'm set financially.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. And, and, well, that's a good point because you got the NAL stuff. But even if you didn't, there's something to be said for liking where you live. There's right? no doubt. In, I mean, there's I, no I, You were telling us that story during a break. I can remember this in 2006. Florida won the national championship in basketball, and they had they had the four guys, the O fours, who all came in there together. It was Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford, Corey Brewer, and Torian Green. Okay, the all all NFL uh, NBA draft picks. Okay, Green a little lower, but they're all going to be they're all going to be drafted. Three in the first round, one in the second round, and they were all going to come out, and then. And then, and three of them had rich fathers. Torian and Green and Al Horford's dad both played in the NBA, so they're rich. I joke him. Noah's dad was was Yannick Noah, the great tennis player. He was mm-hmm. rich. And Corey Brewer is the one who grew up with nothing. I mean, he grew up with no money, and he's the one. That, and they're all four best friends. And he went to the other. Didn't they live together in the, in the I, loft or whatever? Mm-hmm. So they all lived together, best friends. Brewer told him one night, "I want to come back and do this again." And the other three said, "If he's going to do it." And he can't afford to do it because mm-hmm. he was going to be he was going to be a top ten pick. He was going to yep. be a lottery pick. Yep. Okay, if a lottery pick wants to come back and do this again, and, and Noah would have been the first one, the first pick. He wanted to be in tenth the next year. They all did it together, so there is something to be said for that, I guess. That's and we, we
4: all sit around and put financials, put dollar signs on this, but at the end of the day, it's it's like you said. I mean, it's people making decisions that have to do with their life, yeah. and this is twenty two year old who's this decision doesn't shape the next 40 years of his life. I mean, right. either he goes and he plays now or he waits a year and goes and plays. And, and at, here's the other thing. like The injury thing's always real. That's always the negative. Will always be the negative. But just like all of us, like you're just not going to live your life. You're going to make the decisions right. regardless of injury. I'm not going to live my life in fear. So I think he's got a very, very difficult decision to make, one that I don't think he really knows what he wants to do on it, but I love the way he's approaching it.
1: We'll take a break. We'll talk to some NFL quarterbacks. i got a question for Denny about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, We'll update you on what we know about Trevor's injury. Not a whole lot. We'll tell you what the team said. That's next. day with us.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik. Your friends in the car business since
1: 1941. Greg Francie Hayes, Lion. RJ Saunders, Lauren Brooks has the hour off, Danny Thompson here talking quarterbacks with us. I thought you made a good point last week about Trevor. The ball's coming out of his hand now. They're, they're, it's, something's changed. You know, I mean, he, he's, 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 he's Nolan Ryan. He was Greg Maddox before. He's Nolan Ryan. He's driving it now. Ooh, I thought he drove it yesterday. Yeah. I thought last night before he got hurt, I thought that. I thought it looked like John Elway to me. There was a back
4: shoulder throw down the right sideline to Ridley. And then there was an across the field throw in a tight window to the left hash. To Zay. Yeah, maybe so. It was. And there's not five people in the league that can make those throws. There's not. There's not five. And I was listening to the Manning cast last night. I didn't go. Right. Um, They were blown away by the throws i mean i mean th- th- this dude is supremely talented it it's it's he's gonna be playing this game and i and I feel confident in saying that the jags are gonna win a super Bowl while he's here um I just think he's that good
1: yeah, he really is driving how how does an ankle sprain affect your your mechanics
4: man it's the right ankle right is that right yes the back ankle um it can mess with you it it really can mess with you because it's really hard to get your hip to go all the way around if your ankle doesn't turn all the way around as well. You know, those things are connected, <laughs> so uh, it's, yeah. it, it can mess with you a little bit. It can mess with your power supply a little bit. Um, it's not probably not as big of an accuracy issue. Um, that's a little bit more front half than, than back half, I think, for him. Um, but I think it's going to need to be a good you know 75% for him to feel comfortable throwing the ball with it.
3: Is Jake Browning – uh, hidden gem, or or the Jaguars just horrible night at the office defensively?
4: I, I, I don't – Frank, You would, I would love to hear your initial thought to my thought here. I, I think the Jags went into last night from what I could see on TV, and they thought that they could just keep everything in front of them and play a base defense. And Cincinnati did an amazing job of cutting his reads to one-two, and that's it. And they would move the pocket a little bit, and he did, had no tough reads. And they were a step ahead because Jacksonville stayed so basic in like a quarters man three look, just kind of coming in and out of that stuff. They stayed so basic that they almost got ahead of the Jags and play calling, and they were able to call guys open based off of tendencies. That's what it looked like to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's probably deeper than I than I understand. But to your larger point, uh, he didn't go through. He didn't go to a sec, get, or, get to a second or third read very often. Mm-hmm. That's your point. I, I think the for me, Danny, the reason they were so open was this. They, they, the Bengals blocked them. The worst rushing team in the league. They were they were averaging six seven yards a pop. And I think to stop the run, Mike Caldwell had to load the box and play man outside. Tyson Campbell's playing hurt. Yeah, Trey Herndon's out of the game. Uh, Darius Darius Williams is an okay corner, you know. And I think guys were wide open. I I, I mean, as you go, and I'm not not listen. He played great. Hayes is a good one. Jake Browning played really well. But he wasn't sticking ball. He wasn't. He wasn't sticking balls in tight windows. Guys you were know, no. running open. No,
4: no. I think there's a there's a, sometimes this can happen with teams like a backup quarterback comes in somebody you don't know a lot about and you yeah. lose your aggression as a defense.
1: I think that happened.
4: and it it costs you in the running game.
1: I I, th- I think the, I I just knowing Doug just hearing his comments in the press conference when he said you know tackling and fits and things that, that you would expect us mistakes you would expect us to make in game one we made in this game and I'm very surprised by it. Yeah, I think they took him lightly. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think Doug would tell you that privately, and I don't know that. I mean, I haven't talked to him privately. I'm telling you, I, my guess is, to your point, they took him lightly.
4: Yeah, I think the biggest thing to come out of last night for the Jags is is obviously Trevor. It doesn't look like his season ending. But if you're the Jags, like last night is over. Last night is last night. That it's one game. You played crappy. It's terrible. You 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 still in a lot of ways control your own destiny. Like this thing isn't. You don't make this about more than last night. And I know it's your first Monday night game, and I know it's like the city was juiced and everybody's disappointed, but we've said this multiple times now. We, we've said this over and over again. Right when you feel like everything is turned and the Jags are terrible, they answer. And so now you just got to keep answering. And, and I don't know, they still haven't played their complete game. You got to get 16 healthy. You got to figure out what CJ can do. You got to get healthy across the board, by the way. And, and little things, like on, the, on the, the one that he got injured on, Man, 11's got to run that route. Yeah, He's got to run that route. That's
1: a great point you made because no one's talked about that. Parker Washington misran the route, which meant Trevor had to hold the ball another second. Walker Little was playing hurt, so he got bull rushed. All that kind of added up, didn't it? It's That's execution. Great, it's, great, it's, it's it's you it's pre-snap read right Washington.
3: there. Yeah, you've got to run it. And yeah. it starts because Christian Kirk gets hurt right. Right. on the first offensive. Right,
4: round. right. So, so you got to find your balance. I know you got knocked off balance, but you got to find your balance because you're still a good football team.
3: If Trevor is inactive. I, how do you think Doug Peterson and Press Taylor will try to use C.J. Beathard? Well,
4: C.J.'s capable. I, I, I've known C.J. for a while. C.J. is a very capable backup. He's 9 he, out of 10. Yeah, he has got a fabulous arm, and I think what you saw last night was he made a couple questionable decisions in two-minute drill because he hasn't done it. And all of a sudden, he's out there, and he's got to win a football game. I think when you have a week to game plan, and you find out kind of what Browning, right? What do you like, C.J.? What do we have to call it differently than what we did with Trevor – I, they're going to be fine. I, I You're going to miss Trevor because he's elite, and he's not Trevor. But you you can get by this next game. And then at that point, now Trevor probably, I don't know, I'm guessing, is truly week to week at that point. And then you just you, you try to hold on.
1: Gardner Minshew was 26 of 42. Let's go, G. For 312 yards and two touchdowns. That son of a ain't backing down, is he? No. I mean, he's really no. – you know I mean, it doesn't matter what people say, what team he winds up on. Who his receivers are as coaches? I mean, listen, he he's he's not. I mean, th- those are, that that's not an opinion. I read numbers. I didn't. He's read He's four opinion in a row. Now, yeah? It's hard four to win four won, in a row. Won four straight games.
4: It's hard to win four in a row. I don't care who team, you are. It's just
1: okay. It's not a great team. No,
4: no. And, and and if you watched that game, you saw him throw an absolute dime to Alec Pierce, um, in a critical situation. And then of course Pittman's a good player, y'all. Pittman yeah. is a Pitt, Pittman is very underrated.
1: Yeah, he, he's not fast, but he's big and physical. And by the way, Hayes. They could certainly rely on a big game from Jonathan Taylor yesterday, couldn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, nothing there. So, yeah. I
3: mean, yeah. He didn't even and, play. And yeah, Zach, hurt. And Zach yep. Moss really was held in check. Yeah. So, it it really was a tremendous overtime. I,
4: I was telling an agent this morning about we were talking about something else and Gardner came up and I was like, you know, I don't understand. Like, people are going to say, is he a backup? Is he a starter? He's, I mean, he's won four in a row. If if what we're talking about is winning and losing, what's the conversation? This guy's won four in a row with a team who's gritty and scrappy, but not overly talented.
1: I, I got to tell you this: if the season arrived next year, he's a free agent, right? Yeah. All right, but let's just say for the for the for the sake of the conversation, he resigns with the Colts. Okay, he's going to sign somewhere. Hayes, if the season came around next year, and you listed the the you listed the top the top thirty two quarterbacks, and then listed the top thirty two backups, like the best you rated the backups. A cat would be high on the list, wouldn't he? I think he'd be thirty-three. I mean, he might. I mean, I mean, I mean he he might be he might be the best backup. Don't
4: misunderstand me, and and define. Don't, let's not define this by starters. Yeah, yeah. If I'm you not, listed, if you just listed the thirty-two, 32 best quarterbacks, yeah, I think he's in the thirty-two. Yeah. Now I'm not. That doesn't mean he's a long-term starter. Yeah. But I think he's better than Kenny Pickett. Well, yeah,
1: well there's no question, he's than right? I, I mean, I yeah. think by, there's by, several the way, starters. There's no question he's better than Kenny Pickett. Right, I mean, there's, you put Gardner on, on Pittsburgh. What happens? Yeah, yeah, you know Much what? Much better. That's a really good point. So you're right. But he, but I mean, but even, but even if you didn't do that, if you said, okay, here's 32 starters. Yeah, they're gone. Now let's rank the next. Now let's rank the next guys. He might be 33.
4: I can't think I, of I anybody. Think have
3: to
1: be. I mean, I mean I'm going around. I'm going in my mind, thinking of the backup quarterbacks in the league. I one, they're obscure anyway. It's Just by by the nature of the league, they were obscure.
4: There's probably some young kid that we know nothing yeah. about yeah. that's going to yeah. rip it up back there. But to your point, yeah.
1: I right, hey, we had just a couple minutes yeah. left with you, but I, but this is. I really want your take on this. Explain to me, in your opinion, because everybody's the portal. We just we counted it up. Ten of the fourteen SEC quarterbacks were from a different school. Danny, what is the challenge? You're 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 the quarterback. All right, I'm to you're the quarterback at Oklahoma. Okay, uh, Gabriel. Yep. And you're gonna to transfer to Oregon. you right, you got to move. Mm-hmm. You got to move your clothes. Mm-hmm. You got a car, I guess. So you drive. I guess you drive your car to from Norman to Eugene. You got to learn a new system. You got to learn new teammates. How difficult? It, it must not be that hard because everyone's doing it but tell me take me through the process well they,
4: first off these kids aren't moving anything yeah they don't own know, anything right and everything that they okay. own is the gear that the team that they okay. were at so game. they're not moving anything easy move okay right well, uh, i don't know what i know. I, don't yeah, know I don't know what dylan's like i don't know if he's married i don't yeah, know yeah but with our guys like the majority of them will catch a plane and they'll have their car shipped and they're in the they're they sitting will there. Oh, absolutely the yeah have That's their car shipped over there usually part of the deal Okay. and uh, and okay. then they're in the meeting room the next day. Okay, the, all right. So And, and the systems is it, by the way are largely okay. very well, then You
1: just an, you that's a great job answering my question. Yeah. So it's not that hard. It's really not. It, I mean, it's it's the quarterback position. ship, somebody ships their car, and the, team, and the new school pays for that. You're in the meeting the next day. The offense is similar to the one you ran, because they all are all kind of similar now. And right? here's
4: the other difference between when we all came up. You already know everybody because of the 7-on-7 circuit yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So you already know these guys. The hardest thing and the, guy, the thing that we make our guys do the most of is just to spend time with the receivers because there are little subtleties in the way you run routes and, and what the quarterback likes to see that's different than maybe what the O.C. likes to see at times. you got to yeah. learn that. But outside of that, man, these systems are largely the same. We're using the same protections. We're calling mics the same way. We're reading everything the same. So, yeah.
1: And your social life's built for you. Your class. you. have none. Built well, for you have none.
4: Yeah. That's the sad reality at this yeah. point. Like Carson Beck has no social life. Is that right? he, he cannot go out in Athens.
5: Okay. I mean, if he was yeah, that guy, if yeah, he was I Johnny Manziel,
4: maybe, but he's not. I get it. So, I mean, you're you're going in with the understanding of I'm going somewhere for a year. I'm going to make some money doing it. I'm going to try to win a championship, and then I'm going to go to Sunday's.
1: Yeah. I guess it's, just, it just, I guess it's simpler than – you know what I mean? Yeah. A normal person, moving's hard. Right. But I guess for them it's not.
3: From a football standpoint, did you like Graham Mertz's decision to return to yeah. Florida? Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I think it's the wise decision. Um I think what we were talking about at the break it allows Florida to now attack that receiver market, and they can throw some stats up there that are very favorable for receivers now, hopefully the receivers didn't watch the game because a lot of those stats are a little bit deceiving, but it should allow them to go get what they need in the portal receiver wise because there is a ton of them available
1: yeah and and by the way if if he's one of the guys that got one of these seven figure payouts to stay, well then he's crazy not to because he'll he may never make that in the nFL right I mean that that, that I mean he's sure. He's- I don't know
4: how we continue this. The I, I have been the guy that's told y'all forever that the numbers aren't as big as people are saying. No, they are. Yeah. They yeah. are this year. Yeah. It, it It's it's like there's a printer just full of money at these yeah. schools right now. Pretty it's good.
1: insane. Particularly for quarterbacks. Yep. And I told you this before, for quarterbacks, because the guy that ultimately controls those NIL dollars is the head coach. Mm-hmm. And the head coach is also the guy that's on the hot seat. Yep. So that's the guy that's going to direct the dollars to the quarterback. Yeah. And if for those wondering start, at, the at home keep the job.
4: about things like ROI, you know, all the, the stuff yeah. that we have to worry about yeah. in normal business, they ain't got to worry about that's that there. Exactly right. There's some dude that's waiting on that phone call from Billy Napier, and he is honored that Billy Napier called him and asked him for a million dollars. Danny, great work. As all nice. right.
1: Danny Thompson, talking quarterbacks more. Stay with us.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnick, your friends in the car business since 1941.
1: All right, one segment to go, then we'll say hello to the ladies from Helmets and Heels. Frank Frangie hates Carline R.J. Saunders with you. Lauren has this hour off. She gets set to host Helmets and Heels with Mia and Taylor. Let's kind of recap it a little bit. Uh, uh, after the loss, uh, the danger of what had everybody most concerned, Hayes, was obviously the injury to Trevor Lawrence. Um, it looks now like it's not season-ending. Uh, he's listed as day-to-day. It's a high ankle sprain. Uh, Doug said, I'm not going to put him in a box. We'll see uh, every day how he does. And we know this. Trevor's tough now. He started 46 straight games. I mean, this is a guy that and he's hard to get out of there. And so hopefully he'll be able to play, but we'll see whether he can or not. The other injury news, perhaps not so good, Christian Kirk, uh, gone for an extended period of time, so says Doug Peterson. He also says there's a chance it could need surgery. It's a core injury. Um, So good news, perhaps, on Trevor, not so much on Christian Kirk.
3: Yeah, and how do you think, because Christian Kirk, I think, is probably done for the season. So even if Trevor is healthy, let's start with what probably is the best case, which is you have trevor yeah he doesn't although i my guess is he's going to miss at least the cleveland game but for the sake of the argument you have trevor but you don't have christian kirk cuz i think that's debilitating for this yeah. offense
1: yeah and 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 if and if you're correct they've got some decisions to make number one at some point Jamal Agnew's coming back he gives them a little uh, he gives them quickness and speed uh parker washington is a slot receiver and actually played pretty well know he made some mistakes obviously uh it was fortunate to catch the ball in the back of the end zone that was tipped. He dropped a punt. It's not the first time that's happened. So but I think Parker Washington is Christian Kirk light. He plays like him. He's his body shape is the same. Um uh, so I think you're gonna see eleven. I, I think even when even when Jamal let's assume Christian Kirk is gone. Even when Jamal Agnew comes back, that'll be the four. But my guess is you're gonna see some Parker Washington. I, I really think they they drafted him for a reason to be the backup because they didn't have another player that did the Christian Kirk-type things, 5'11", 2'15", stocky, finds the middle of the field. I think he's like that. So my guess is you're going to see a lot of Parker Washington. They drafted him for a reason.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be really difficult uh, not this for this offense not to have Christian Kirk. But he's, isn't
1: that the option, wouldn't you say?
3: Oh, I think, yeah, the option. But I, but I think it is going to be difficult for them to fill the void. I mean, I, I think in terms of dependability – playmaking. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Christian Kirk's had dropped since he's been here. I mean, I mean, I get that, but I still think in in looking at it, that is a really, really critical piece. It almost seems like this receiving core is really good when they're all available, but when you take one cog out of the machine, it falls apart, and that's what they're going to have to prove that, that they can combat Starting Sunday at Cleveland, because you know you're not you're not going to have Christian Kirk. Probably, I mean, best case scenario until probably your first playoff game.
1: And I and I would also think you're going to see uh, a lot of twelve personnel, which is two tight ends and Evan Ingram doing a lot of that Christian Kirk kind of stuff. I think you're going to see Evan Ingram in the he, he already he, does.
3: He played great last night played in great, Kirk's absence.
1: Yes, he did, and I think you're going to see that that security blanket third and six nine-yard throw to the middle of the field that was both of those guys is now going to be Ingram. So I think you're going to see a lot of Evan Ingram. I think Parker Washington's the guy that will play his spot. Uh, but I, I will say this about tight end. They like all three. Now, Brenton Strange was down last night, but they like Luke Farrell and they like Brenton Strange. And if, they're good, if those two guys are good enough in-line tight ends, then that does allow you to play Evan Ingram. I'll bet you see Evan Ingram do some of the Christian Kirk type stuff. I'd be surprised if you don't.
3: Yeah, I I think that that makes a lot of sense. We saw it last night, and you know Evan Ingram's having a great year, so it was good to see him finally get in the end zone last night. So I know that's been a a big point of uh, emphasis. So glad to see that. I I just I worry about the passing game without Christian.
1: Oh, well, sure, sure. And
3: and I'm you know again, Jaguars aren't the only ones dealing with receiver injuries. Houston just lost Tank Dell, who's been sensational for them as a rookie. So uh, it's it's part of it. But I think that's going to be a, a difficult coaching challenge uh, for the Jaguars to to navigate this without Christian Kirk. You know, and we'll see about, you know, if Walker Little can't play, then I would imagine Blake Hance is your left tackle.
1: Who did okay last, last yeah, night. Yeah, he, he did. He hung around. And he's a good player.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting peeking at Cleveland. So, Miles Garrett has 13 sacks. Obviously, he's extraordinary. But no one else has more than three and a half. Right. For Cleveland, so it's like if if you can just somehow find a way to not let Miles Garrett just kill you, yeah, then maybe you can, you yeah, know, and
1: look avoid and,
3: having massive sack problems.
1: And, and I'll say it again: I, I say what you want. The backup quarterback completed nine out of ten passes. That was a small sample size, but with no reps, if C.J. Beathard is is called into action, he's gonna have a lot of reps this time. He had no reps, and so I, so so we'll see. And uh, and again, I think the Jags are going to play very well at Cleveland. I, I'm, I find myself way more worried about a week from Sunday than I am about Sunday. I, I just because because
3: yeah. that's a really good team. I'm worried about both.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I hear you. but, yeah, I, but, but uh,
3: I but I, I think I think Sunday is going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Baltimore. Yeah. Even if you were at full strength, Baltimore would yeah. be a you know at They're best a, a coin flip
1: game. Yeah. Let's say a little, oh, hang on. You got something to do first?
3: Oh, that's right, RJ. Let's do some takeaways. Now, today's takeaways.
4: Brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years.
3: My takeaway is that I think Taylor Dahl is awesome, and it's always good to see her. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a rough night last night for the Jaguars. There's no other way around it. I've never seen a team lose their quarterback, left tackle, most dependable receiver, best run stuffing interior defensive lineman. And nickel corner.
4: Tough night for the
1: Jags. Now let's say hello to Taylor Dahl. Now, the
4: two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop.
1: I've made a decision.
6: Mm-hmm. You want to hear it? I do.
1: You wanna hear it? Here's what's happening. The uh Jags looked awful. The gators suck. <laughs> The Pirates suck. The Bears suck. Mm -hmm. Um, You told me the Chicago Bulls suck.
6: Yeah, they're very bad.
1: Uh, The Cubs almost suck. Um, We're all Jaguar fans. You, Hayes, and I are going out to get shots. I'm there for that. Are you in? You
6: you didn't even have to put the first part. You could have just said (laughs) we're we're going to get shots. I would say okay.
1: (laughs) Uh, How you doing? How you feeling? You were down with the weather last week, Yeah,
6: I didn't feel bad. I've just been struggling with my voice. I've had a lot of allergy issues the last couple months, and so it's still not 100%, but last week I had zero voice, so can't really do a a talk show when you can't talk. Um, We'll see how well I can manage tonight, but... I'm getting there. I'm good. At least I don't feel bad. It's just my voice isn't here, which is kind of important for us.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, the um, so uh, I don't want to steal the thunder. I don't want you to scoop yourself, but give me an, an overall. What would you think of the Jags' loss last night?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was a bummer, especially defensively, because I, I think the whole year, especially the last four, five, six weeks, you really feel like the defense has been such a major role player in the Jags wins and almost I've said several times the last few weeks that man, like I don't know if the Jags would be winning these games if the defense hadn't been playing the way they were because there was a lot of mediocre offensive like, as a whole. They play a good quarter or a good two quarters and then it would kind of fall apart or vice versa. So to me, that was kind of like the strong point this whole season and to kind of watch that fall apart last night in a lot of ways and miss tackle after miss tackle just uh, we you know Doug spoke on the miscommunication Josh Allen spoke on the miss tackles and those are things that in a game like this that you're playing a backup quarterback that hasn't played a whole lot of football you would hope you could go in and kind of like make your stamp on okay like yes we are here and we can play four quarters of football doesn't matter that it's the Bengals um, because you should take advantage of those moments so it was a little bit of a bummer but um, I mean the Jacks have eight wins so you have to try to at least look on the uh, the positives of that And a big part of that, I guess, is injuries looking forward. Once we know more of Trevor, we'll know that. But it's definitely not the way you would want that game to go last night, Monday Night Football, in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, and they they made it easier for Jake Browning by not tackling him very well. All right, what's coming up tonight? Jags talk? What
6: else? Yep, a lot of Jags, obviously, and we'll look uh, forward to the Browns game. We'll talk about Florida State uh, not getting into the playoff, which obviously is a hot topic, and maybe some of the other teams that we think. I know some Georgia fans are also mad um, so we'll talk about college football. We have some college basketball talk. We'll look around the NFL a little bit because there's some there's some things going on that may be under the radar happening uh, as in the NFL as a whole. So we'll take a look at that. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you,
1: Taylor, Mia, Lauren. That is Helmet and Heels and it comes up right now. We're out of here for Lauren and Hayes for RJ. I'm Frank Franchi. Have a great night, everybody.